are they done done are they is one done and the other one's done oh okay oh that's good that's that would have been my second guess probably <laughs> yeah yeah could be One's shadows and one's fog, I think. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well done. Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me, uh, traveling through the atrocities, it's it's Clay Williams. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, I don't got jokes for this one, guys. This is going to be a little... <laughs> yeah, I don't... It's probably better. There's no... Way. <laughs> I'm not going to pull uh, any kind of shenanigans on this one. It's going to be very somber. Mm. I'm going to just kind of keep it straight because I don't... You know, it's one of those things where... This was definitely the movie I was like, fuck, we have to watch. Dreading. This. Yeah. And it's not... Because I, I knew that it it had a reputation of being, like, the Holocaust by way of, like, Inuritu sort of style. I didn't even know that part. Is what I had always... It was also... I It's... The, that's an... Inch, no, please. Sorry, no, 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 please jump, jump in. in here. But it is that is um, I I understand the comparison given the time that it came out right because like Inarito was in the Austin Oscar race with, with Revenant too as well yeah yeah, yeah so it's it's a fair comparison in terms of like when you consider that context yeah. I think um, I think it's pro it's probably better than you know those mm. movies but we'll not a but um, un, uh, in my opinion that's not a hard thing to do uh is to be better than yeah right 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 well right. Right. i guess that's my right, right. that's my point so i think the comparison feels almost like a shitty mm. dig right but like i understand I, it from a technical mm -hmm. standpoint because they are they are doing some of the same things but i have a whole thing about long take bullshit mm -hmm. that we can I get into it. as well. i mean as an editor yeah. i'm sure that it's yeah, uh, yeah, right. yeah right yeah yeah yeah. uh but not yeah. to get ahead of ourselves uh, Continue. and with us today uh we couldn't get chris o'donnell but we got his brother it's connor o'donnell uh from the film stage <laughs> i have met uh, chris o'donnell that's have I told that's story? me i have met chris o'donnell i've yeah. been in his house i've mm -hmm. met his mother i've seen him i've seen him oh that's uh, nice like do like on a board with his uh, son shirtless as he's like, uh, I don't know. What's the board you stand up on and you kind of just like, t like you use a paddle. Just like, oh, a paddle board. Okay. All right. Well, never mind. Yeah. It's a paddle okay. board, right? It's all so simple when I, you I'm say not, it. I'm, so, I'm half. It's, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm okay. But like you, Clay. apparently I, you were there <laughs> and you were with me in Boca Grande, Florida right, and you saw right, that. Right, right. I'm well, oh, his son. Yeah, you're, I'm, you're yeah son that little that boy there. that I saw like five yeah. years, or like <laughs> well, it was probably like ten years ago at this point. Yeah, uh, that's you. Um, I'm like in. It's I'm. What's the reverse of I'm jacking? 
I'm jacked. I'm oh, like jacked. okay. Robin All right, took me jacked. a second. Took that's, me a second. That's my thing. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah. No, he's he's a cool guy. When apparently I met, I also met him when I was really young, and I was just mobbing him with like Batman and Robin questions. I was just like couldn't mm. stop asking him. Sure. Oh yeah, that's I'm sure, sure he loved, loved it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a nice guy. Should have asked. Should have asked him some mm. mad love questions. I wasn't knowledgeable or, uh, on his filmography by the or then. the the was, questions. two things I knew him from when I met him when I was older was. Batman and Robin and NCIS Los Angeles. That's the only two mm. things I got. Sure. It's him and uh, Ladies Love true. Cool Jeans yeah, in that true. one, on, in that show, right? And yeah. apparently his I mother was, just was in an episode. <clears throat> they like basically brought all their mothers to do a cameo one episode. Because, you know, there was like 500 episodes. They had to do one for the moms. Do the moms get, what do we, the moms I, get I, SAG minimum for well, the day, she got probably? a fucking poster because it's in her house. It was like a fan <laughs> head, like you could, like, it was like on the wall or whatever. Like one of those, like, you know, oh, I know. she's so well, proud yeah, of and her she's boy. also like, I, got, I was on nice. that show and she like told a whole story about it. But yeah, no, it looked like fucking, you know, those like, cl- like what you would get like Clay Matthews on your, like on your wall or something. Green Bay, uh, Green Bay Packers <laughs> linebacker, or I mean, former, I don't know. Is he retired? doesn't matter. Um, uh, I was recently catching up with the Henry Selleck episodes of Blank Check and the Three Musketeers came up on the Nightmare Before Christmas episode that was poised to be the big sure. Disney play that year. Wait, which, which Musketeers? Uh, and, and Chris yeah. O'Donnell, uh, the, um, the, the, with, uh, with Oliver uh, Platt, Platt and Charlie, and Charlie Sheen. I was just going to say the cast, but it's like Chris O'Donnell is the and, third uh, lead, but then you have Kiefer, yeah, I was gonna say, Kiefer as well as Kiefer, the third right. musketeer. And you get, you know, who's, you know, who's great in that movie, Tim. who we love. Wincott. Wincott. Yeah. Yeah. Wincott's in it. Rebecca De Mornay. And it's just like, wow, this is what a, what a mm. cast. And like Tim Curry. Um, but just like a relic of like, wow. Could you imagine like through Musketeers now, I guess like that's not going to go straight to Disney plus. Well, I guess, right. The closest you get now is the one a few years ago, right. With, from, uh, I really, from Paul WS. I, it was one of the more embarrassing things that I'm going to admit that I was about to do. Um, but I did not, I was really about to say Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm. I really was. I was really like the Paul, <laughs> I was, it was, I was so close. But it took all of my impulse control. He's going to Scooby-Doo mm. one day and reveal that it's been I Paul hope Thomas not, because, I mean, I like PWS, but like, he's like a, like, he did, like, kill a person. I mean, not kill, but, like, that whole, he's not, like, a... Like the right, way Matthew exactly. like, killed I a mean, person? Like that kind like, of thing? Okay. Not as bad as Landis, but, like, I don't know. He's He seems, like, not, like, a good <laughs> dude. Uh, I like his movies, though, so whatever. Um, and he has a cool <laughs> wife, so those are the two things that he got for him. Um, not all good people can make good. This movies. is very true. This is very true. I'm not a good person. I'm making this podcast. So what? Do, you know, what are we okay. gonna do? What are we gonna do? Well, s- speaking of not good people and oh, Nazis, Nazis, bad. Right. No, uh, no good. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> there was, you know, I, when we covered uh, Green Room, that was that was another where you were trying to stay adamant, where it's like we do not endorse. <laughs> White supremacy. I think. Yeah, I, I feel like right. I can. Keep, you think we still? You think we can still say that? I think we're. I think I'm pretty. Does that st- does that hold strong? Yeah, I, think, I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, I do think. People yeah, need white to be supremacy. Bad. Not fun. <laughs> so, Not good. Bad. Bad stuff. Well, it's also uh, yeah, no well, good. green room. I I, um, just, I think I just had to also just repeat like, 
I'm like 50 minutes away from that place. Like I like I had to keep telling like I live in Portland, Oregon. I could drive there today. Like not mm. not necessarily and, seriously that specific place, but a place like it. There are plenty of neo-Nazi bars like all that, around sure. the state of Oregon and Washington. Also the same is true for today. Right. Um right. yeah, exactly. I can literally just yeah, I could drive anywhere. Like it's so close. Yeah. All of it's so close to me. Um and I learned and, and this is completely random, but uh from like npr i learned that like so a lot of the reasons there's these like real strong contingents of like white supremacy um besides oregon's very racist history um is that post vietnam a lot of vietnam veterans with like that were you know disillusioned after the vietnam war and had like white supremacist ideology especially you know coming back from uh you know with their like you know prejudice against you know the Viet Cong and all that kind of thing um they all like Oregon and the Washington, like the rural areas were so not un like there were people in them, but it was still like kind of sparsely populated that they kind of like were trying to create their own safe haven there of white supremacy. Very interesting mm. stuff. Uh, so I recommend looking that up, what I just said, and trying mm. to figure out what that NPR thing I listened to was about. So there's my recommendation. And then somebody somebody just write in and right. Let I li- it was for yeah. history class. Sound off. I, I learned, Honestly, I sound off. It. I yeah. That information. I'm going to keep repeating it, but I can't source it. So you know, it's mm-hmm. from NPR. That's all I got. Uh, before we get into school ties, since this is the podcast about Chris O'Donnell today, um, <laughs> we start off every episode with what we've been watching recently. If anybody would like to start us, the floor is yours. Um. Um, well, I, I'll, Clay, I'll go ahead you first. Just, it's very quick. Uh, I've seen nothing. Um, it was, we've, uh, we record, we haven't re- we recorded somewhat recently again. So between the time that I've recorded that one and this one, I haven't watched anything new. Um, I'll just say shout out to Luka Doncic, man. He's killing it right now. Uh, shout out to Giannis Atatakumbo and shout out Lori marketing the league's on fire right now a lot of great performances um shout out nikola Jokic. shout out um yeah i think that's all i got those are the keep those are the dudes that came to mind so yeah that's that's my shout out oh donovan mitchell 71 points incredible good for you donovan spider love it mm-hmm. um yeah that's that's my those are my shout outs because i've watched friends of the show shit. friends of the show yeah <laughs> Uh, for me, I, I started the uh, television program, The Patient. Uh, it's uh, uh, from the showrunners of The Americans. It's been ta- uh, been talked about a few times. Is that the Carell one? The segment stars stars Steve Carell and Donald Gleason. Uh, Carell oh, sure. okay. is the therapist to Donald Gleason's. Everybody, say it with me. Patient. I would have. Uh, I think they should have just. Re- I should. They should have switched the roles just to like keep people on their toes. Just to have like, oh, that'd be fun. Steve Carell not be the therapist, that would have been so, like, just like, whoa, wait, what? That was the obvious casting <laughs> choice. Yeah. Uh, you'd get you'd get him in, like, Foxcatcher mode, basically. Hopefully without I the nose. If you switch, no yeah. nose. No so, more nose. Yeah. He'd somehow, it's somehow he'd have two, you know? Uh, two noses. Would be, uh, it's a bit on the nose, don't you think? Nose, nose. <laughs> yeah, nose on the nose. <laughs> But is that what you want? For? I was trying to do the uh, the voice, uh, but it, it uh, you know it'd be funny if like they switched off every few episodes. It's like one episode, one's the patient, one's the therapist. Honestly, yeah, that'd, be, that'd keep us really on our toes. That 
I, or they just mix the like it's like the same story with the same two characters and each episode they're just played by two different people. <laughs> Don't they do that shit on like, like American Horror Story or whatever? Like I, I, I don't know if they do right, that episode right. to episode mm. though. You know, like I think you get like I think they bring back the same mm. actors to be different characters just, and different things. No, no, or whatever. I, no, you're, you're right. Really, you're right. You're not right. really up on um, that show, but yeah, but just like, yeah, they have their company uh, of actors. But theater, the go full theater, you know, theater with it, just like you know, like I. I feel like I feel like Nathan Fielder's <laughs> pitching a show where that's a thing or something. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. That's yeah, I feel like somebody has yeah, to the rehearse the action. Uh, I'll take twenty percent. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> the rehearsal season two is just going to be this. And, and Nathan, if you're listening to this, you know, uh, t- take everything. Um, but I'm I'm about halfway through, and it's quite good. It's very much like stagey, but I don't think that sure. that, that the performances are as gripping as they as they are for where you you're not uh feeling as though it's leading you to nowhere um but yeah it's just those two performances are, are quite good i don't think i've seen donald gleason in this kind of mode before and it's very what does he play like very, i love that actor yeah it's not it's 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 yeah it's I, I can't i can't so. i mean you know it's like he's clearly yeah. doing something much more broad in uh star wars he and plays, i guess like, he either that, play, yeah he either plays like a villain or a schlub you know, it's just like yeah, the down right. on his luck schlub. I mean, you know what he plays in Star Wars? Yeah. Mm. He plays a Nazi oh. in Star Wars. He gives that rousing speech. And we're I'm back. the first order. <laughs> That's all I remember. I right. just screaming that. Um, he plays like a he plays like a Raiders yes, of the Lost. Yes, exactly. Army. A little <laughs> playful, in, um, but still in, very yeah. much a Nazi. Yeah. Um, mm. That's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's funny. It, in that first a little playful, but still very much a. Hey, I'm mean, just telling you what Spielberg did. Don't you know? Don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. Um, but I think I think about his like huge speech in Force Awakens, and I'm just it looks like his head's about to pop. It looks like he's getting so red, and his head's so right. His head's so little. Work it's just like scene. you just think it's yeah. going. It's just like yeah. at any moment. He's 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 kind of hard to. It's. Are you scared of him in the show? Like, cause he's not a very, um, person. I think it's, it's more unsettled. I think he's quite good to where he's it's a great actor. Not like he great has actor. many, he doesn't have many, um, outbursts that are, that are comparable to, to star Wars. It's very just, it's, it's a little like Mindhunt. He's at, he's acting with a little, yeah. eye, as opposed to, I, like, like, I like that. that. I like that. I like Holy that. Shit. I like that. Is that, is that, a, oh my gosh. A, is that a Connor O'Donnell original? That's no, no, no. Full, full <laughs> disclosure. That came from shout out to Murtado Fottle. That came from, he was on our Meryl Streep yeah. episode of the B side. And we were talking about performances that act with an A. She occasionally has been known to act with an A, and sometimes, but sometimes that's not a bad thing if it if it's appropriate in the movie Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, And but I, it's ever since that (laughs) I I latched onto it, and it's a thing I it's a thing I pay specific attention to in movies now when I when I see it. It's like, oh, why don't I like this? Oh, because the A is capital, right? Yeah, Yeah. because I think this A this A is lowercase. It is a little bit of um, uh, Mindhunter, I I guess, in the way that the performances of the mentally disturbed individuals are directed to be very understated, uh, and the the way that the the and he's he knows. I mean, the irony is like he's desperate to find help, and he 
I don't know. If, I mean, it's the premise that he he ends up imprisoning Carell's therapist, um, yeah. and is then like, "I need you to help me and to and for me to then articulate my thoughts about murder and and help me not kill again because I I want to fix myself, but I just don't know how." And it's, and it's sort of like yeah, that's kind. It's a remorseful. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's like yeah. an interesting. Um, yeah, I, is, yeah. Is, they're like thirty minutes each, right? Like they're pretty short episodes. Yeah, yeah. That was the big. That was also one of the oh, big. Oh, that's nice uh, too. How many episodes? That's a sell. Um, okay. Season done. Eight. Wow, that's. I think that's how in and they're out. gonna get movie in and stars out. nowadays. Is I mean, it's yeah. just you give them like, hey, I know, time commitment. Sure, thirty minutes, eight episodes, then you're done. Then you can go mo- yeah. make your movie. Right, you're being well. It's well written. It's yeah, well you're, directed. You're like a exactly. less edited movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. yeah it is yeah, interesting it's quite how it's quite it just feels like television now is just it's just movies. Like, like I think it's <laughs> and it's one of those. I mean, that's the thing. I've kind of tacitly retired from like actively seeking out TV right. shows for that reason, because like like the fact that it's technically four hours of content i could get through right is at one point appealing and at another also i'm kind of like well why didn't they just fucking make it why not (laughs) this could be like down to two hours why not cut it down to two hours and make a fucking lean ass movie out of it and it's what i mean we all know the answer it's 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 because the people who have money Mm -hmm. at least for now to make these things our streamers but that's the only thing these can exist as too like those movies don't get made anymore so they have to be made into tv shows no no but that's the bummer it's like they they would maybe they would get made if people made them you know like that like and you could still use it as you know cannon fodder for the streaming more just like Like, they're not being made because they're not making them Mm -hmm. yeah right and i i also think and this is i mean now we're going down a rabbit (laughs) hole but i also think with that stuff like in a world in a like a pandemic ravaged movie theater world right i think that the i think theater owners are going to take quite a number of things just to like pop in theaters right even if it's only for shorter runs and all that stuff and i think like you know something like the patient if it was just a two-hour movie would be nice to just Mm -hmm. see in a theater even if it was for like a smaller two three week run before it wound up you know on a streaming service or whatever and i think you know uh, granted i don't know how packed those screenings Mm -hmm. are going to be but there are definitely like a few movies that i've seen since the start of the pandemic in a theater that are those like smaller movies that were able to squeak in because they they're just trying to fill a screen Mm -hmm. you know that like were decently you know well attended like you know my local regal was screening you know emily the criminal for instance and like it was like a half packed theater. Like I was kind of like I don't know. I think you know some people would go if you just made. Yeah. It. Anyway. Yeah. No. Sorry. Absolutely. And I guess the other part is like FX is giving the showrunners of the Americans just a blank check to to just be like, do you want to make yeah, this to... contained? I mean, of course, like that's that that this is the vision that they've wanted and. Uh, you, and you can see this in that form because, like, you get flashbacks of Carell's family, and then you discover like how he's sort of like an estranged dad. But then 
you go but yes you go back to the idea of like you can still fit these things into a two-hour mold um i think it's also let even in those scenarios right where where filmmakers and writers and showrunners are given that you know to what to them would be freedom mm -hmm. i think is a thing when it comes to the end product and you know like with some things I've watched, I'm like, I don't know, you could have been reined in a little bit. Like you didn't need, like you may have wanted the big eight hour canvas to tell your thing. Yeah. But, but, but nobody told you that your eight hour thing and didn't need to be I mean, my hours. big like, example of that last you know. year was, um, and I forget if I talked about it on here, it was Under the Banner of Heaven, which I kind of oh, sure. liked, but it started to, and I, I thought like Garfield was great and it had some pretty good performances. It was uh it's i mean it's it's a crime story um and it's it's central mystery was just so redundant and and like it, it was clearly like, that's the big example of like wow this does not need to be as long as it needs to be to well and i just through like doing like the cinephile game nights and stuff like that i've had you know i won't mm -hmm. name names but i've had like off-air conversations with people who are working writers that like the first thing you get asked nowadays, like th that they've written, you know, movie mm -hmm. scripts, right? Like screenplays and they'll pitch them and they'll pitch them to a network or a streamer or whatever. And they'll say, oh yeah, no, no, no. This is like, we love this. This is great. And the first thing they'll ask is like, can you make this eight mm -hmm. episodes? Crazy. And it's, it's crazy. Like, when I started it, but it, but it, but is it, but like it is it's mm -hmm. stupid, but it, I don't know if it's crazy because no, it crazy. makes perfect sense when I see how when I see how many shows that are out there where I'm like, wait, so you told me in eight hours what you could have told mm. me in two? I'm like, that's yeah. how that happens. It's because literally someone's like mm. I, the, the my go to example is always sharp mm. objects. Yeah, because, um, you know, because it's just kind of like a trash watch show that's not like poorly made mm -hmm. necessarily. And it's like pretty well acted in like a campy again, like kind of trash watch thrillery kind of way and i can't help but i remember like getting to the end of that show and being like yeah i don't know man like yeah. if this was two hours long i probably would have been like what a mm -hmm. banger right but like instead i've committed to this thing for six weeks or whatever it was and now i'm just and because it's from like, someone who's had a handful of movies under the belt where it's like you can so right, clearly like know, see the condensed like, version i know i know yeah. the people involved yeah right right right, you know, right, like, right we need to put to trial every single person who was involved in true detective season one and public trial right. uh and like maybe at the hague i don't know like that, like there are mm -hmm. serious consequences, <laughs> serious consequences. Yeah, because it's their fault. That really is the catalyst. It really fault. is. Yeah, and they yeah. need to, and they need but consequences. It's, it's sort it. It is and isn't their fault. It's kind of like how Hollywood learned all the wrong reasons from the, like learned all the wrong things I, from the first I, Avatar. I know it's not. You know, like Avatar comes out, it's a huge banger, and it's good. <laughs> And all anybody it, can see is like, well, if we just post convert our movies to 3D, to 3D oh we can make a billion yeah. dollars, yeah. right? And like, and then it starts this whole terrible yeah. thing, right? And that's not Avatar's fault. No, for but being then give me a person 3D, to put on right? a spike, like, and I will. But you, sure, I, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, we could probably put I, we could put Nick Pizzolatto. Yeah, I don't think anyone would be mad. Well, he did have that. He did that, I think, have, I that great idea okay. saying that if Batman was real, he could kill God. But that's another problem. Uh, that's another. Uh, that's another. Uh, that's another topic. But no, yeah, him on a spike. Maybe Woody. Unfortunately, <laughs> just by virtue of you know association. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Woody. No. No. Are we spiking Kerry Fukunaga? Um. Oh yes. I, I mean, yes. Now, unfortunately. Uh, with uh yeah. things yeah. that come out um sure but sure. uh and right. mcconaughey sure i don't want you in politics either so your head can be on a spike um uh, i like you as an actor but you know it's one of those things where it... mm-hmm. is it weird that i want him to pivot back to a run of terrible no Long i think that's Home? like the next step <laughs> Like I would kind of love, I would kind of love it if he was like, I'm reteaming with well, Sarah I think Jessica he's Parker. He's gotten to a point where <laughs> we're gonna do the roommate. It's about adult. You all saw, man you all saw Glass Onion. <laughs> me and Kate Hudson. We're gonna get back to it. Um, yeah. yeah, he would. Yeah. I mean, I hate to be one of these Twitter people, but he would probably be good in a Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah ensemble yeah. but he would he would probably yeah. be a fun yeah. well, I think he's how to google was a guy in 11 days let's get him made become pure yeah. satire like he's just not like a real person right. anymore that putting him in a rom-com would actually help a lot because it's like oh yeah. that's right you're sure it's like it's like Dwayne right. Johnson he's like become a parody sort of, of it's sort of like a Nick yeah. Cage thing where it's like okay like you're it's sort of crazy your caricature moment. does that mean if it go does that mean if it goes on long enough it'll come back around and we'll get Dwayne Johnson's pig <laughs> I hope not unfortunately it, yeah. um yeah. Well, admit would it, be it would be fascinating <laughs> he's a boring person um right but he doesn't have much pathos. So, but yeah. um, I also, but I also think it's kind of crazy to think about how a series of ad campaigns can kind of ruin a person's like not reputation, but like respectability. Like I feel like with like the Lincoln ads, sure. that kind of did him in, just because that was so pure like parody and satire, and it's just like no one takes him seriously anymore. And like, in I can't sure. really think of something that like that to be honest with any other actor. And it's a bummer, too, because he did that off of sort of the, you know, I suppose you could call it cult success of the Lincoln lawyer and which dovetailed with the reconnaissance. Right. And the kind of bummer about it is like, I aren't there like aren't there like eight Lincoln lawyer books? Like I would have watched like making a team. I would point is I would have watched like I was sure. Yeah, I yeah. think I think they yeah. are. They, they are were, making it. They tr- and, which, of yeah. course, if the Lincoln the lawyer, is, I, w- I would have watched McConaughey in like two or three other Lincoln. Lawyers that would be a TV show now, and of like, course, I, it, it is if it weren't for the right. Well, which is, which well, is a bummer. If they but make anyway. the Lincoln lawyer TV show, because I think Amazon's doing it. If they make it like Reacher, then I'm gonna be happy as clam because Reacher rules. Um, oh, I have you not like watched Reacher. Dad uh, content like. Oh, that's like, yeah. That's Absolutely like recommended. Your dad TV, uh, it so, goes yeah. down so smooth. It's, you know, sure. I think it was, I, I know this sounds crazy after we just trash TV for like a good 30 minutes. <laughs> but, but like, but it's, you know, it's a smooth wreck. eight episodes, I think. Uh, Throughout the course of this pod, you've always had a vendetta. Of I mean, admittedly, to, to be to be clear, even if I follow up on this wreck, I will undoubtedly it's be taking so naps. Good. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not, and I'm not going to go back yeah, right, is my right, point. Right. Like, I'm just yeah. going to kind of keep moving You're going to lie to people that um, you saw what you napped through. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. Yeah. On a Sunday. Yeah. Napping. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. great yeah, yeah. television program. It's pure trash. I love it. Um, I mean, it is fascinating. You know what else is? Pu- you know what else is pure trash? Mm. Nazis. <laughs> That's a good point. It is fascinating, though. Just, just also like we can have a world where it's like you have your prestige, like the Bear, Severance, Yellowstones, your yeah, sure, right? and then it's just like. We have. Yeah, I don't know what you mean. Kind of straddling. No, 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 no. If I'm, if I'm yeah, being and, honest, like, but yeah, no, you know what I mean. But then you have like Reacher's, like you have on television. Hey, Reacher's good. You be careful if you're nonsense. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not going to be in any Emmy you conversation. Right? It's not my fault that you get like. Okay. I love this. We're bringing up Dad Sima Bosch basketball. This is your episode right now. Uh, you're, if, this is if yeah if Dan, if Dan Mecca if Dan Mecca listens he's gonna be yeah. so happy. Oh yeah, me and Dan, Me- Dan Mecca have like the same taste in dad content. I love Bosch. Bosch yeah, is honestly. Great. Yes, it's man, true. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so. it's true. I remember, yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Me and Mecca, man, that's like <laughs> simpatico, just pure pure simpatico. Yeah, love that. <laughs> um, before we. Go forth with Son of Saul. Um, Let's not talk about something it. I never. I never. I, can I, you tell? Can you tell, listener? We're so <laughs> we're excited to. Die. I know. I know. Listen, this is, you know, when, when I think once we, I think when, let's just rip off the band. Yeah. I think I know, once we no, dive we'll in, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be we'll be good. Be but before episode. we dive, quick icebreaker, like we, like we like to gauge with every new guest for the first time here. Uh, how did you get into movies? What, what, if you can think of oh, any films man. that got you into film on the spot now, I know. Um, I know. yeah, no, I, I, okay. So the first, one of the first movies that like fucking mm-hmm. unlocked yeah. it for me, um, was rear window mm-hmm. that to this, that to this day is just what I list as my de facto favorite movie mm-hmm. of all time. Cause it's like. Just, I mean, there are certainly other movies I watched along the way. And, you know, if anybody listening here also listens to the B-side, like, you know, Dan and I have talked about some of these movies along the way, like movies like L.A. Confidential, mm-hmm. things like that. Things I watched at a young age that kind of made you go like, you can do this? Like, you can make mm-hmm. a movie? Where L.A. Confidential, Mecca and, Mecca and listed as, as, as uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's, it, it, it Rear Window is kind of my, my, de facto answer there because i just that's also one of the first like older movies that i watched as a young person so i think that was one of the first older movies that i that sort of really started to like unlock that gateway of like oh yeah like old movies rule also and i should Mm. start like exploring them right and so that i think would be would definitely be my my answer i mean there are certainly other things i loved at at a younger age that i that I fell in love with, but, um, how old were you but, when you saw Raymond? Uh, I was, fuck, I might've been 12, 13, Whoa. something like that. And so I guess that's my point. Like it, like, I'll say this to the, that, like that Christmas one to this day, one of the best Christmas gifts I've ever gotten in the world. Cause it was one of those things also like completely unsolicited. Like I didn't mention it to anybody. It was just kind of out of the blue that Christmas, I got like a DVD four pack of Rear Window, Vertigo, Man Who Knew Too Much, and Psycho. Mm. 
and I hadn't seen the other mm-hmm. three. And so like I then over I remember like over that holiday break, I like watched all four movies like that's awesome. Like I just like churned through them. And part of it was just because, yeah, like I watched Rear Window and I was just like uh, and I, I remember specifically the moment. It's like the sequence where Grace Kelly's trying to convince Jimmy Stewart out of his paranoia. And then she looks at the, it's this whole long scene. And then at the very end of the scene, she looks across and she sees the salesman like doing something shady in the room. And then her whole demeanor changes. And she's like, let's just reset. And you tell me what you saw. And then it like fades to black and you realize Mm. like she's in. And it's like, she's also kind of this audience surrogate in that regard. And I just remember as, as like a young movie watcher being like, fuck this movie cooks. (laughs) Like I was just like, yeah, um, so Leslie and me is actually listed an influence for some of No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but, um, <laughs> but no, actually, that's. That, I will say, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he like watched sure, Rope a couple sure. times, right? Or something, yeah, of course, you know, yeah. For like formally, who hasn't watched yeah. Rope a couple times? Um, it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually also one of the first Blu-rays I was gifted was from my granddad of. Um, uh, the the Blu-ray set uh, wrote or uh, uh, the Birds Psycho, North by Northwest Vertigo and I, Window. I, got, I had that, yeah. that yeah. same one. I, yeah. I feel like a lot of that's a great starter pack. Our right. age yeah. had that because that mm-hmm. like it was just came out and also mm-hmm. people who are older who are like okay this fucker is into movies what do I get him shit uh, Hitchcock he can make a feature film it's mm-hmm. a and it's a good it is a good bridge that's a great point because it is a good bridge mm-hmm. right like generational where bridge. it's like yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. exactly he he's he's you know obviously the last vestige of like old hollywood right. into new hollywood over the course of his career and like just but makes uh you know objective bangers mm-hmm. to he's a degree like a that like anybody guy. i feel like well, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Anybody who likes genre, if you start to get into stuff and you like genre cinema, like you, you there's at least going to be three that you mm-hmm. latch onto. It, it right? kind of like, it blows my mind that like young young cinephiles or whatever you want to call them, young film fans, think. I feel like when they think of Hitchcock, they're like, "Oh, prestige! Oh my God, Hitchcock, one of the greatest filmmakers ever, makes you know very respectable films." It's like. The dude was a genre filmmaker. He was the carpenter of his yeah. time. Like he was making like trash, quote unquote. Like like Well, and he he was also in a in a way like he was one of the first like Marvel cinematic universes, right? Like it was this that not that the films are connected, but in the sense of like when it when a Hitchcock picture would come out, th- there there's a uh, not necessarily a f- a formula but there is a style and an expectation and, and sort of a thing. And mm. you know that I don't want to go so far as to say that it never happened before. Cause you do get some of that with mm-hmm. say the universal monster movies and things right. like that. But, but, but yeah, I mean, I, it, he was, he was a mainstream filmmaker. Mm. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't prestige in the way that we maybe differentiate prestige <laughs> from like mainstream filmmaking now. Like, I think it just, he made, he made mainstream filmmaking at such a tight, entertaining but well-crafted mm-hmm. and innovative level that we just you know there was craft but there was genre filmmaker yeah like he and was I, very much like yeah mainstream um you guys did uh 
the the final frame on family plot that was the last family, right, family yeah. plot yeah that was and our it's, first that it, was our first yeah the, yeah yeah and that was that and that one's I like that one a lot <clears throat> and it's you know of course he gets more into genre into like the fifties and forties. Uh, but also like a pulpier genre. Like it's not always this sort of. Well, you can also see him like when you get to Frenzy, mm. which is great if anybody hasn't seen it. What I love about Frenzy is that feels like that's post New Hollywood. And it's it's almost fe- it almost feels like the younger guys like De Palma and Scorsese liberated Hitchcock mm-hmm. a little bit. Like some people, some people like to phrase it. Like he was like, Oh, he was trying to compete with new Hollywood. I don't, I mean, that could be, you know, maybe that's how he felt about it. I don't know. To me, it reads almost like a liberation right. where it's like he had wanted to make movies like, you know, it's like, which to me, that's like a, a beautiful symbiotic thing happening in art, right? Where it's like Alfred Hitchcock can give all of his tools to Brian De Palma, who then can kind of get gorier and dirtier and nastier, who in turn is able to push the envelope in a way that Hitchcock can go, oh, thank you. Like now I can do that because like I'm Mm -hmm. allowed to kind of and like, you know, frenzy is like his most kind of, you know, you can see things. It's like his most graphic movie to a degree. Um in a way that his earlier, um, like even Psycho isn't, right? Um, and I think that stuff is really fascinating in the latter half mm-hmm. of his career. You get into Hitchcock and then it's just like off to the races from there. You're like, what's... Your... Yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, I, I did the, I, you know, I, d- I did the thing that anybody does. I like spent my high school years making a movie and watching movies while I made a movie and the movie mm-hmm. was bad, but I made a movie and then... Uh, and then, yeah. And then it just kind of, you know, turns into, I got a lot of respect in that regard for, you know, what I call like one Oh one filmmakers. Like I would consider like, and not in the film schooly way, but in more of like the like sophomoric thing of like, you love it when you're 15 mm. kind of thing. Um, and I know it's easy to look back at some of those movies that are staples of that kind of category and be like, eh, right. But like, for instance, someone like Darren Aronofsky, right? I have a weird respect for in a certain sense, because like if you watch The Fountain when you're 15 and that gets you to, you know, Tarkovsky or Malik or, you know, like if it like it gets you to these other things uh that that he's clearly pulling from and maybe he's doing kind of a much more sophomore mm-hmm. version of right or at least a contemporary um, version of yeah, yeah yeah sure 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 and, and I, I i still i have a big soft spot for the fountain for this reason because it kind of was like that movie was like my gateway into like oh let me watch some fucking weird shit right um i i have respect for movies mm-hmm. like that like if uh you know, we talked about this recently on one of our Tom Cruise episodes, but like a movie like Oblivion, mm. for instance, it's like an OK movie mm. kind of falls apart. It's got things that are really good in it. Some things that aren't. But like if Oblivion gets you to 2001 mm-hmm. and it gets you to like, if it gets you to right. all the other sci fi. Like, I think there's yeah. A value. Yeah, in absolutely. Like, I think there's a value in a in a good working filmmaker making stuff that that gets you there. So I, the, you know. 
certain movies not oblivion but like a movie like the fountain was like mm. another movie like that for me when i was like a little yeah. older like in my teens um but um and i guess in sort of a different anyway. mode uh you know i when we covered uh moonlight and it, like that one seeing that for the first time like like hearing barry jenkins talk about like claire denis and being mm-hmm. like oh wow oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah that like Jonathan who is Demi. who is that like yeah hear uh hearing then uh the Safties then talk about um, uh, Abel Ferreira, and and it's just like, oh, who yeah, is that? Sure. And and it's and it's like it really no, it really benefits from there's... from filmmakers being charismatic and engaging. And there's there's something from like yes, hearing them talk about their own work, but then who do they love? And it's like that branch. I hope is still yeah to what Clay says. Like I hope that teen uh, film fans are are engaging that way. The reason I wanted to watch Blowout for the longest time is because that was one of Tarantino's favorite movies. That's really it. No! I know. Um, Get out but, of town. But, was, but, but yeah, he, there was that blockbuster. Um, uh, might have been, I don't know, it was the show. It was like basically, I, I forget, it was like some interview or something where he was at a video store and they're mm. asked like, hey, Quentin, three movies you want to get at the video store and he's like i got you folks and he got like blowout it's a remarkable tarantino impression blowout and i think he got like duck soup or whatever that western is um and i know it's not duck soup what the fuck am i thinking that's the marx brothers no okay then i'm thinking whatever he got a fucking western of some kind maybe it was um it was some spaghetti western hey gang it's jack don't usually do this but chiming in to while editing to say, I think the Western that Clay is talking about is Duck You Sucker from 1971. It's by Sergio Leone. And oh man, you know how much Tarantino loves him. Anyway, couldn't find the source of where Tarantino talked about this and Blah in the same video store, but I'm pretty sure this is it. Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he got like a third thing, but mm-hmm. it was very much that idea of like blowout. And he's like, it's great. You know, that's John Travolta, blah, blah, blah. And but yeah. He was in a little movie movies. called Pulp Fiction, and that's, you know, why. Yeah. And even, I mean, it, even that chain of like Tarantino to De Palma, yeah, like even gets you to Hitchcock, right? Like if you watch. You know, a, another you know movie. I was it was before I'd seen Rear Window, but like the first Mission Impossible, like was a fucking that VHS. I destroyed that thing because I watched it so many times, mm-hmm. right? And and it wasn't until later that I got more into Brian De Palma as a filmmaker, which was even post Hitchcock, yeah. like me getting into Hitchcock. But then you go back and you watch Mission Impossible and you watch other De Palma movies and you see all these things. Like I mean, similar to stuff, me that I, I love think, Ghost Protocol, and then. Like I, I saw an interview with Brad Bird and he was like, I just love, and like an inspiration was like Jacques Tati. And I was like, who is this? And you're like, <laughs> Let's, Let's do, go. yeah, like, I know. Yeah. And it's like, like another, you know, but well, and, and and it's sort like, of like a mainstream know, example can lead you into more it, foreign. That know, That's, you know. that's kind of r- right. And I think like, for instance, the, uh, the people who kind of just to use a more recent example, like a movie like Babylon, mm-hmm. right. Which, I don't generally fall on the positive side of there. Are, I think some stuff in it that I really, I mean, whatever we don't, have it, but it's one of those movies. It's, it. it's, it's divisive. It's got, you know, good things, bad things, whatever. But I do think it's a, you know, I think it's a noble effort by everybody involved. Cause you can see some sort of thing of like, 
I don't know if there's like a 15 year old who watches that movie at some point and is like, you know, what is this romp? Right. But then also decides to like, oh, like, who are these people? Are they based on anybody? Let me like, you know, and like and that gets them to watch a fucking like, you know, anime Wong, you know, movie Mm -hmm. or like whatever. Like point is, it just gets you to a place of. I think there's a valiant effort, even if something doesn't succeed, if it gets you to then check out something else. Yeah. But, um, and just to wrap yeah. up the, you know, the, your, you know, the beginning of your, um, film, uh, era of interest. I can't speak. Um, were your parents, uh, cause I always, I always like to ask that because I feel like, because I feel like so many times... Oh, like, were they movie buffs? Yeah, like, I feel like so many times people are like, oh, yeah, my parent, like my parents are huge. No, I, no, like, so I'm the... I come from a big family. Mm. I'm the youngest of 10 kids. Whoa. And so... From New York, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. And uh, 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 mm-hmm. upstate yeah. New York, like Hudson Valley. Not the like, big were apple. All living, um, like, were they all living, like, in the same house, or were there age differences? No, there's a, it's a big, it's a, it's like an 18-year spread between me and the okay, oldest. Okay, that makes sense. So, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I don't, you know, the only time I remember us all living under one roof is if, like, you know, older siblings were home for the holidays right, right. from college kind of thing. So, like, it, I, not too much of that. But, um, but the, you know, you one thing that rubbed off on me is like anything my siblings were watching or consuming was something that I, you know, so even if, you know, I, you know, I was born in the late eighties. So, you know, I kind of, I wasn't really an eighties kid, but I basically was because I listened to all the stuff that my siblings grew up on and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then same thing with like watching just all the stuff that, that they grew up on. So it really was my older siblings that like, introduced me mm-hmm. to stuff like the you know they were the ones who showed you know my older sister when i was like way too young like showed me the shining for the first time and it traumatized me like you know that that kind of stuff um but that said my dad specifically he was a he was an airline pilot mm. and so he wasn't home all the time and but when he would be home the like your dad chris o'donnell Yes, my dad, Chris O'Donnell, when we weren't paddleboarding, <laughs> um, we, no, when he was home, we would like just go to the movies. That mm-hmm. was like the easy, and it was just a, you know, we'd pull out the newspaper for uh, the younger children listening. Like it was this physical piece of paper that you'd get on a daily basis, <laughs> and it would have the news, but it would also have showtimes mm. of local movies. And so, yeah, we would just grab like whatever the day's paper was. We would look there. Were, we had two theaters. There was like a Lowe's that then became an AMC. That was like the multiplex near us. And then there was like a discount theater that were like dollar movies. And so it was just a thing where we would any, you know, any given weekend, you know, we would just be like, well, this is the thing mm. that's playing. Like I, I have a distinct remember uh, a distinct memory of going to see The Phantom with my oh, dad. Yeah. At the disc at the discount theater, and that was an interesting one because my obviously I'm the youngest of a you know large family, so my parents were older parents right relative to me, so like my dad was born in the mid 40s, so the Phantom was like his shit when like he was a mm-hmm. kid, 
And so it was just funny to think that like he was like excited to take me to that because he was like, oh, yeah, the Phantom, the Phantom yeah. rules. Like he was like and I remember him explaining like the Phantom was like I like other, you know, the Phantom, like the Batman was old, too. But like the Phantom was like my Batman. Right. And so I, I have a distinct remember. I have a distinct memory of him uh, taking me to go see that. But that said, they themselves weren't, I think, like huge general movie buffs. And that was more so fostered by like my siblings or I had, you know, we had some family friends that lived across the street that were like a little more liberal, Mm. which was nice. So like anytime I wanted to kind of just escape my house, I could like go over there and that's where they'd be like, hey, have you seen this fucking, you know, foreign film? Like, have you seen the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover? Like, we're going to pop that out. Like, you know, like um, so. I had the benefit of you know being raised by a village in that regard. Yeah, that rules. Love it. Uh when did you see Son of Saul for the first time? So I saw Son of Saul with uh, cinephile card game creator Corey Everett um, mm. at the MoMA screening room. Um, I For some reason, that's like one of the only I think at the t- I don't remember when, like what time of year we saw it or where it was in its run. But at the time in New York, that was like one of the only places it was screened screening i think which was weird anyway i went with i went with him to go see it and weird two weird things happened in that screening one that was the year that they renewed uh project Greenlight Mm -hmm. on hbo and there was that whole thing with that guy jason mann who was like well i'm not gonna make this movie i'm just gonna make my own movie and then he made a bad Mm -hmm. movie um that guy was sitting directly behind me in this in the screening and he kept talking <laughs> and was like and granted like it i mean this part might not be entirely like his fault because the screening room kind of has like you know not amazing seats that that weren't you know that aren't really spaced super far in front of each other in terms of the rows but he kept kicking the back of my seat oh, the entire God. time too so like it was just child. this funny thing 
A little bit, a little bit. And again, I'm not trying to like, you know, I, I didn't actually meet the guy per se, so I don't want to necessarily completely throw him under the bus. But I do remember having a thing of like, oh, it's that fucking <laughs> guy from Project Greenlight. And then like sitting down and then all of this happening during the movie and just being like, oh, okay. I believe his name's Jason. It is. Man. Yeah, that's have, right. Have American yeah. Thief in the leisure um, class. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, right. I hope he's well. Mm. Uh, so that was one thing happening the entire time. The second thing was at the very beginning, and I suppose this is a good mm-hmm. segue just to get into the movie, I suppose. But at the very beginning, there was an older couple near the front that in this movie, if anybody hasn't seen it, it's it's shot on a 45 millimeter mm-hmm. lens. Academy and, ratio. Like the whole time. Yeah, at academy ratio. It's meant to be very confined, very constricted, very intimate, mm-hmm. right? So it's got a very shallow depth of field if, if, you know, if you're looking at something at a distance. So the opening shot of this movie is, a, is the woods, right? Or is like, you know, trees and stuff. And they're completely out of focus. And, and our protagonist walks into camera, right? Like walks into frame and, and, and into focus once we get very, he gets very, very close to the camera. That said, it takes a minute for that to happen. Maybe not a literal minute, but just it takes a bit. And so this I felt kind of bad because like everyone in the theater was like a little confused. Like they were like, fuck, is the projector fucked up? Like people kind of started like murmuring. And there was this one older couple in like the second or third row of the screening room that was just like not even no one was getting up to ask anybody. (laughs) Like it was a few people who thought there was a problem, but nobody was getting up. And this one couple just starts going. It's out of focus. <laughs> just like yelling. Just like, yeah, like nobody was getting back up to go try and even if there was an actual problem, you know, nobody was trying to fix right, it. Right, right, right. But it was just this funny thing where there was this weird murmur and then suddenly like he walks into focus <laughs> and everyone kind of settles right, down. Right, right. And it's like, and, and meanwhile, Corey and I are both kind of sitting next to each other. Like, granted, we were kind of in their headspace too. We were like, oh, is yeah. it fucked up? Like, Okay, and that, but then, like, you start after a minute. You're kind of like, no, I think, I, <laughs> I think it's like a stylistic choice, right, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so again, it, you know, we kind of were a little more settled down, but it was the yeah. uh, the natives were definitely right, getting right, restless right. for like a minute in the first like you know thirty to forty seconds of this. Movie. Do you know if it was? Like one of the first screenings, like they were working out the kinks that I don't that yeah, got people that riled I was up. Trying to okay. remember, I don't. Yeah, yeah I, that I don't remember because I don't. I don't remember what the official release of the movie mm. was in terms of like when it came out because I. I know we saw it around. I want to say we saw it around like the holidays mm. or something. So it might have just been obviously it was a like can like release or a premiere i should say and then yeah and yeah. i and i i so this might have been part of its like qualifying yeah. oscar mm-hmm. run or mm-hmm. something you know i'm not i'm not mm-hmm. entirely actually sure, sure what the rules are with international films but like yeah i don't know it wasn't it, it may have been playing at some of the other uh you know art house theaters in new york on a more regular basis for for whatever reason this is this is where Corey and I wound up going, I think maybe because he like knew somebody who was there and got tickets and then invited me or something like that. But and it is um, interesting in Hungary, it did very well. It says, uh, yeah, it was like a 200,000 tickets. 
like people in seats, which is, you know, but yeah. yeah, but it's, but it is one of those things like it did as well in Hungary as like Hollywood mm, blockbusters. Yeah. Do it's the most in, successful in Hungary, domestic which, film they've yeah. had ever or since like a slapstick comedy or whatever, yeah. like maybe ever, um, which is Yurga Vitris is uh, the slapstick comedy. Because it's not. Is it just because it was like it was a hungry produced film? Like this is very much like an intern. Like you know, there's like nine different languages spoken. Mm-hmm. It's very much about an incident yeah. that of like global proportions. It's very interesting how they're just like that's our movie. Mm. Are you trying? Wait, sir. Are you are you speaking more to why it was a success there specifically? Yeah, why was it or, such a huge yeah. success? Because it, I understand if it was successful. Because like, oh look, our country, you know, has a very like a you know well reviewed. I also am not. I'm not entirely well versed on like what their history is with Oscar plays. Like, how often do they submit? That's a good things? point. Like, That's a good point. You know, like I, that. That I don't know. And, and you know, Jack, you and I were talking off mic about like, yeah. I mean, you know, anybody, you go to the Wikipedia chart of accolades for this movie like this movie was gonna win yeah. the oscar after a certain but like because it's just it had that trajectory of course I as most barring, of the, like these winners but this one especially yeah, it yeah, kind yeah. of feels like it's yeah like it because you right because you get to a place sometimes with this category mm-hmm. where it's like oh, it could be this could be this but like i don't know mm-hmm. this one it was like you, like you know Anybody who bet bet against it for sure mm-hmm. lost money. You know, I don't I don't know who's. Doing we discussed that, but, that idea know. a little bit with when we covered the best documentary Oscar winners. That it's like there's sure. a lot of the time that they're just locked in from when uh, there is a certain amount of acclaim um, poised onto onto one. I think this year we we find that with. Uh, so sometimes I think sometimes I think that gets. Yeah, I, I like maybe in recent years, I feel like that's been upended mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, yes. In terms yes, of like, yeah. like you know, you find in that category specifically, there might be like a couple that you're like, eh, mm-hmm. could be this one or whatever. I don't know, but I just remember like, I, like people knew about this movie, which I think is another, at least domestically mm-hmm. speaking, like in America, right? Like, in a way that. I, you know, I'm not, and I'm not saying I, I could offhandedly mention it to like my mom and she would have known or whatever, but I feel like there are certain years and certain times where like there are, there are, you know, movies that get nominated and even amongst, you know, cinephiles or whatever, someone might mention a movie and you'd be like, what's that one? You know? And I feel like this was the movie Mm. of the nominees that year. That like people knew what it was like you just and granted part of that is to what we're talking about like I think it won the jury mm-hmm. prize Grand, right? uh, Grand, like, Grand so, Prix uh, yeah oh, it won mm, the Grand Prix I believe, okay yeah um but point being yeah like once that happens especially in in circles like ours like you start to know what the things are and you start mm-hmm. to clock them or whatever but um yeah I don't know I I think and we were talking about it a little bit before but i think the other thing that helps the success of this movie is like it's deceptively like entertaining Mm. like and i feel weird about saying that about a movie that's obviously as like tragic (laughs) and and, it's one of those things where it's like if you make something immersive it's going to be captivating and right 
that's sure. the whole yeah. point yeah. of why he like i don't want to i have an issue with the way this movie is filmed uh on a technical basis and then on a almost um moral basis because i interesting well i just don't know if you want to make a movie that's immersive when it is about an atrocity i just don't think well, that's necessarily so... like a good thing to do mm-hmm. can i lobby i would love point? it i would love it <laughs> A huge, there's a, and there's even like a direct, I rewatched it last mm-hmm. night, so it's like fresh. Yeah, I saw brain. it last night too, which was a horrible decision. Yeah. On my um, you, you two saw it together. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. All, all, absolutely awful decision. I'll never forgive the two of you, but <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, no. But it is just, I, I did forget. And as, I mean, like we joked, like, I think the reason we've been so cagey about getting into it is just like, yeah, I don't know. It's a fucking bleak mm. ass movie that is again despite being i think pretty engaging and pretty entertaining you know hard to watch like you're not gonna think to like let me fucking cr- it's sunday right, afternoon right. let me crack a beer and pop on right. son of Saul, baby but i do think that there's a a level of there's a basic theme in the movie of you know you sacrifice the living for the dead Right. And and how everyone else in this movie, as he and I guess whatever quick synopsis, right? Uh this man Saul is uh, a Sonder Commando for the Nazi. Well, I for the Nazis feels weird to say, but basically those are essentially, you know, prisoners in concentration camps who get tasked with like working with the Nazis to do cleanup, to do various Something things. Something I and, was and, and ignorant to before I watched the movie. S- same no, s- same, same, like I my the most knowledge I had of something working like that was like what you glean from like the great escape, you know, of like, oh, yeah, I guess there was a dynamic between prisoners and guards where you can wheel and deal and get things and whatever. And I think that's what I like assumed this was going to be. But like, I didn't know directly. It was like, hey, we're just going to take. But instead of immediately killing like. 80 of these dudes, we're going to set them aside and we're going to make them help us clean up the terrible, horrible thing that we're doing. Right. And like, that's insane. And like its own level. I mean, I think to me, the the lead performance here is so crucial because he's like so despondent. And at first, I mean, and you'd at first you'd think like it's like garden variety. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's like garden variety, like Holocaust despondence Mm. where it's like oh there's just this terrible thing happening but there's like an extra layer to his his removal the numbing quality comes yes from an extra he he has been actively doing Mm -hmm. this thing right and i think the way the movie's shot so helps the thing of because it it if this movie's shot in a slightly more traditional way where it's not in that you know at 45 millimeter or 40 millimeter something mm-hmm. like that i don't you know i don't want to mislead people but if it's not shot with that lens and it's shot maybe a little more traditionally i don't know if it's necessarily a worse movie per se it's pretty well directed it's it's i think pretty well acted but i think you maybe would the 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 point of him doing this thing would get lost where you probably might be like yeah i don't know dude maybe give it up and like help these other people who are like trying to have this uprising and like actually live their lives and escape. Right. But because you're put in this perspective, all, all you're given with him is like the task, Mm -hmm. right? This like, it's very much like a procedural sort of, 
Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just he just wants to he he mm-hmm. wants to bury this boy who may or may right. not actually be his son. Right. It's a kind of a nebulous thing. Um, and he wants to give him a proper Jewish burial. Right. That's basically the plot of the movie. And it's him trying to figure out how to do that both surreptitiously to not get caught and to, to kind of, you know, do it seemingly before this ticking mm-hmm. clock runs out as these this group of Sonder Commandos realizes that they are sort of their uh, the contract is up, let's mm-hmm. say. Right. And they're and they're they're going to be executed imminently. And um, and I think. I just think the framing of it helps that significantly because it does it does help you sympathize with his plight specifically, especially when the message of the movie, not maybe not message of the movie, but when the, one of the running thing themes of the movie is like this individual plight against the plight of many. Right. And so I don't th- I it's like it, it's like. Uh, it's putting on literal, I mean, literal blinders to the atrocities around in, you know, in the peripheries of the frame. But I don't think in a diminishing way. I, I do think sound design is like so, it's so crucial in this movie. It is. It's, so, it's, it's so good. A, a movie that came to mind for me, two movies that came to mind for me uh, that I would just recommend anybody mm. watch if they haven't seen it uh, is A Man Escaped. Mm. Yeah. And uh, and the ascent, um, yeah. which if uh, I can, a man escaped, if I can throw in a third, uh, come sure. and see. Which, which of sure. course, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah, all yeah. three of those, sharing sharing yeah. in this like sort of, you know, like a formal yeah. quality in some regard. Yeah, but come yeah. and see, and, like and, and man and, and primarily too, because it's just like, what you know, like what what it's about and, and our central perspective, but. Exactly. And the ascent is is sort of, I suppose, in between that and, and a man mm-hmm. escaped and that a man escaped is shot sort of, you know, it's it's focusing on one guy. But but I, I only bring it up because it's 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 a great I mean, you know, whatever, if you've taken a film mm-hmm. course, you've probably watched it. But and and pro- for the exact reason I'm talking about, which is like it's it's so illustrates like all the things you can the life you can give outside of a frame just with sound yeah. design. I, right. And I think this movie makes like amazing use of just that. Um, There's also a quote from the sound designer, uh, Tomas Zanai, and he described the sound as an an acoustic counterpart to the intentionally narrowed imagery. Uh, that and yeah, there's which, eight yeah, languages in this, the film. He's yeah. he's building the mm-hmm. world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think I and then, like I said, not in a way that I think diminishes the atrocity it actually like highlights it because it's such a intimate perspective yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to something that's a little bit more removed and staged. And um, what I like about this movie, as I mentioned the word staged, right. Is like, it's not 1917. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it knows when to cut. It knows the value of a cut of like a very specific, kind of cutting point um and even against some you know we brought up in Uritu before like even against something like birdman or the revenant like it's long takes here don't feel showy to me like they don't they they just feel they feel more natural to me in terms of like look we're like focused on the perspective we're focused on this guy saw barreling through this task that he feels he needs to accomplish. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, and what I love about the may or may not be his son thing is like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like to him, this is just a thing of like, let me bury this boy because I've helped murder and cleaned up the murder of, you know, dozens, scores Mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so it's just this this redemptive thing that he knows doesn't matter, but he's like doing for himself to a degree. And I just think that that's that's the thing that I think lets this movie off the hook in the grand scheme of conversations about things like uses of long takes and and movies that like I think part of the reason a movie like 1917 doesn't work for me is because it feels safe. Mm -hmm. It feels that's a long take. There's something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and look, I mean, I say this as someone who works in post-production, like a lot of work went into it and it's impressive. Mm -hmm. And like on a technical level, it is impressive, but it also exists in an era of movies now where like when you do something like that, you also have to like make the YouTube video that shows how you did it. So you can be like, look at how impressive mm-hmm. this is. It right? feels like, like the whole point of that movie being made was that that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's right. Issue. Right. I, it I hangs would, on. And it. I would counter like I would counter the difference is like, you know, th- this movie doesn't need that. Like, I don't need to mm-hmm. know how, even if they are hiding edits, I don't need to know how right. they're doing that. That's and I don't true. need to know. I was like, never looking for that. It, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and I guess that's the thing. It just feels a little bit more natural to the intention of the film. Whereas, like, I don't, you know, it feels a little gimmicky in a movie like 1917. And it feels gimmick, it feels gimmicky in Birdman. And it feels, you know, like I remember like, there so was I maybe think... a letterbox review of 1917. And it was like, this feels like a, like a test run for oneers, like a, like an example. <laughs> and, and, and I guess like here it more so yeah. just feels like you're just like, you're locked into this. I mean, it's clearly like you're locked into this perspective um of Saul's and yeah I think I think you're right I thought the same that it didn't need the it didn't need its steady cam stru- like its structure to to feel as though I yeah good I agree it's not I would never call this movie showy mm. um and I don't think its use of tracking shots and long takes is quote is showy the word that came to mind was limited meaning that i felt there was a limit to and obviously and for the things i'm about to say when describing the filmmaking process of this and i i understand it's intentional i understand there's a reason i'm not denying that right they like they know yes i'm not saying they're idiots so they didn't think of this or whatever i know there's a whole point to what they're doing and there's like a thematic you know, which of course like even yeah. for a debut like you have to right be mindful where it's yeah. like this is it's our first debut of the winners that we're doing where it's like interesting that it feels so short of itself right i just think the combination of the aspect ratio tracking shots so much of it out of focus it's just him in focus you start losing any real idea of what this facility, quote unquote, I don't know what the fuck to call it, this death camp is. I yeah, start sure. losing the actual scope of it. And I understand, again, that's the point. It's an intimate yeah. point of view. But I think 
just uh, one i i'm i'm kind of distracted by um the camera in general i think it, it's just it's especially when he's running it's hard to just kind of it's so shaky and i understand again that's the whole point but it's just getting it, it's sometimes just like hard to watch and not really visually all that pleasant and i'm not saying it needs to be sure. pleasant but it's just like i can't even really watch this without just going like you know just like shaking yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just, I just think it limits so much of what you actually see that it gets to a point where I start losing grasp of Auschwitz, like, uh, like you know, like one of like maybe like the mm. most famous death camp, if you want to call it, in the history of the world. Well, it's it would it would be on a family feud board of right the Holocaust. exactly. It's one right, of like, the things yeah, yeah. of yeah mm, yeah. It's one yeah. of the first words that comes up with Holocaust, and I and I and, and and I'm not necessarily and this complaint isn't necessarily connected to like moral reasons, but just on a pure idea of like he goes so many different places like this is it seems like a very big facility and has a lot of different ins and outs and to limit that view of it just doesn't seem like that's a that's a fair no point. i agree a, there I is agree. a there's an obscure sense of geography to this mm. movie and i and i think um, if you and like if for something this huge and this gigantic and this like like it almost feels like the central like the center of the universe in a way, because mm. it is, it has so many different ins and outs and different like work camps and people who have different roles and jobs. And it feels so gigantic that to limit the amount of it you see seems to be a disservice to like your, your setting, your, what your the, how you're like the setting of mm. the movie. Yeah. I, I think part of that, I think that's a fair point. I, I also think, you know, it's is twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. right? The world is a different place in twenty fifteen than it is now. I think, and so, and that said, like, I don't. I think we were maybe all kind of uh, pleasantly convinced at the time that, like, oh yeah, people know Nazis are bad, and people know about all right. these things that happened, and they like, and they like believe that they happened, and they don't need context, right? And and so I and I know you're not making the argument on like moral grounds. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm and I'm not saying you are, but I do think like that might be part of it too. Mm-hmm. Like that that they might be going into this with like when they're making the movie is like, well, we don't need to fucking tell you what Auschwitz right. is, right? Like you know, like mm-hmm. you it know, is like, it is a part of the dramatic kinda... irony of the film that I kind of like, where it's where it's like he did. We know this like where we are and we don't, right. we don't like need table setting. Yeah. So like, yeah. let's give you an intimate mm-hmm. look at like a thing and an, and an yeah. experience. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I, th- I think that's part of it. And it's, it feels wild that I'm even saying this, right. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. yeah, yeah. but it is, it is kind of funny to think, yeah, funny, interesting to think that like, you know, now somebody would be like, so what was happening in the, in the context of right. this thing? Or like, why, why was it so bad? And you're like, well, it's like, funny though. I didn't, uh, I don't think I knew it was, I thought I obviously knew it was a concentration camp. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. They never, they never named. So I didn't, Auschwitz, I don't think I, don't I knew believe. because yeah. there's not a title card that says Auschwitz, 1940. Right. 1944. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I mean, and it's obviously been a, you know, it's been a long time since like, you know, reading about these things in school. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm I, I don't, I'm, I'm sure there are some context. Right. There's like specific things that. As right. to wh- why it's right. Auschwitz, yeah. No, I I thought it was um, just a concentration camp. I mean, obviously it was. They're doing. A, I knew sure. they were depicting a specific one. I just didn't know it was Auschwitz. Yeah. Um, uh, I only learned that after the movie because going into so going into this movie, I knew almost nothing besides it's about the Holocaust, and I think I might have knew like the, like this guy like he was like he cleans up the gas chambers. I think I learned that when it was in its initial run. I feel like it was like a plot synopsis that I heard. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I knew yeah. nothing. Um, I totally forgot it was from Hungary. I forgot. I didn't know. I I didn't know like the director was you know Hungarian or the language they were speaking was Hungarian or whatever. Like I almost knew nothing besides like it's about a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I'm first watching it and it's like in four by three aspect ratio and I'm like, oh, okay. And then it's the shallow fo- and then it's all these things that come into play of like and I just kind of text and I was texting Jack watching it and I'm just like, is this like is this all tracking shots like for the whole movie? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wonder too, how much a movie like this is that is the, uh, what was the, what was the comparison we were making before of true detective? Like (laughs) how much this movie is the, the avatar to 3d or the true detective to true crime prestige TV bullshit stuff. Like how much of this movie is it winning an Oscar and someone being like, I want that fucking Academy ratio and I want it in software. Like, I don't, I Mm. like, I don't know. I, I I pose it more as a Mm -hmm. question because, because I just, I don't know if this movie is part of the problem or just ground zero. I guess to take take that a step further, do we get Robert Eggers making the stylistic decisions on the lighthouse? If not for this, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I guess maybe. as an example, uh, we've covered I mean? like, that one and it's, and it's just this it, thing. Like there are things of its own. There are things in this that feel that feel tropey mm. to like serious art house, even movies. I like, <clears throat> like, you know, I love the Academy ratio in first reformed, yeah, for instance, right, yeah, you yeah, know, like, yeah. um, or a, I think a, a ghost story mm, also yeah, is in right. Academy ratio yeah. as well. So, you know, it gets used and, and, I, and I like it in places, but I, I also understand what you mean, Claire. Oh, and also I, I think Ida, a thing of like, like, that was another film that we've covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, gets, it gets used to great effect, I think, um, w- with smart filmmakers mm-hmm. who n- know how to use it correctly. Mm-hmm. I think this movie uses it correctly, too, for its intentions, but I do understand sort of... I, I understand where you're coming from, Clay. Like, it, this movie does have a few, like, red flags that it tosses up where you're like, oh, fuck. Okay. Right. <laughs> because I, it's... it's Stylistic. It's just interesting yeah. that uh, Laszlo Namiz tried to format it in Academy to make it look like uh, the cinema of the 40s, um, but uses more contemporary techniques yeah, for on. these tracking well, shots. Uses more contemporary... And like pops in, a, you know, a, I guess, well, no, I mean, you have like, obviously like super early stuff, like the passion of Joan mm. of Arc and, and even like I mentioned movies like the ascent mm-hmm. that make great use Come of like see. extreme, yeah. Clo- yeah. yeah, extreme close up uh, stuff. So yeah. I, you know, that's certainly a thing, but yeah, that's a good point. Like it is very, it, and not in a bad mm-hmm. way. Cause I, I do think for the long take stuff, I think the real ground zero, it, I, the person we should probably, you know, just banish into the desert 
is Alfonso Cuaron. Mm. Um, well, because I look, I love Children of Men. Great. And we'll be doing uh, Roma in a few episodes picture. also. Yeah. Um, an amazing mm-hmm. picture of Children mm-hmm. of Men. But I do think if we're having the discussion of like, where who who started who started mm-hmm. it <laughs> like in terms of something that you know of you know studio heads and creative directors at ad agencies looked at and said i want that right or whatever you know and they i heard I, of this Kron guy he's men. spectacular he has all these long <laughs> takes it's fantastic <laughs> who is they do they don't cut who is this who is this character i don't, I don't know um hollywood yeah, exactly I don't know. yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I guess it is um, um, Emmanuel Lubezki, right? Because he works with uh, yeah. It's and again, I'm not, I'm not. I I like children, mm-hmm. and yeah. so I'm not yeah. even blaming it. Uh, they do, they, they you know, they do it to great effect in that movie. But I do think it is sort of the modern, modern, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah exactly. the thing of like, and I, I just, I, I have a whole like I mentioned before, like I just kind of get eye rolly with the long take thing because sometimes it is just like people just do it just to do it and like i I, and then people start doing it because other people are Mm -hmm. doing it but like for the wrong reasons and like and so it's just this thing that i kind of as a post-production person the value of an edit is editing is good Mm. and can be used to great effect if it's if if good people and i know um, we love editors we love them (laughs) both of us yeah uh big fan i actually you know what's you know what editors don't get enough credit for i was recently a few months ago i was at shout out to uh to bilga abiri Mm. and blake howard Mm. i was at a try i was at a tribeca screening of heat with them that bilga was was doing the q a for and pacino uh pacino to his credit made a shout out in that of like one of the an actor's best friend is an editor, right? Because like that's the person who's making selects, right? Like that's there might be a direct, you know. The, I mean, there will be a director, but like the director might be being like, yeah, like let's. I, this is the one I like. Mm-hmm. Let's start with that. But the editor is the one who's really being like, yeah, but this one has this and that, you know, like. But they're also making um, the choice of when exactly to cut to them and what ex- part of yes, the performance ex- they ex- show. Ex- exactly, right. and yeah, it's yeah. so. So I guess that that's the kind of thing that I. You know, it, and even with the 19, and I think part of this isn't even so much entirely the people who make the mm-hmm. movies, but how it's the, it's people like us who, you know, pontificate about them and, and, and whatever, um, on Twitter and shit. It's how people like us react mm-hmm. to those movies too, because like, you know, you get people like uh, 1917 gets nominated for a bunch of awards, but I, I could be wrong. I don't think it got. Or I think it got nominated for editing and people were making the joke of like, why did it get nominated for editing? And it's like, yeah, because you didn't see any edits, you fuck. Like, that's why it's amazingly yeah. edited, right? Like, I know Birdman had the same and so it, uh, yeah, day. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. It's, so it, it is this weird, it's this interesting sort of counterintuitive thing where like people get impressed Whoa. because there are no edits. And it's like, well, I know also. Uh, it didn't get nominated uh, for editing. Oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking of because I remember thinking that yeah. like it got. I remember thinking like it got all of these nominations. Maybe it was a precursor for editing. It, the yeah. one it sh- the one it should have gotten, yeah, and probably won. Was well, the, well, because I mean, the ir- the interesting part like, is like you know obviously there's that stat and um, 
expectation that a lot of best picture front runners will get into editing because that's a sign where it's like okay they're clearly liked yeah. by a lot of different bodies and then parasite ended up getting into that um but i mean someone yeah. you bring up wonders and in, in how filmmakers will sometimes be dinged by them a close personal friend of the b-side is joe wright and of course we've heard sure. that he will sometimes indulge like with atonement and and things like that and i don't i don't know i don't think he would be someone that would come to mind for me as as much as folks like Inuritu and and Karan would, um, but I, I I guess it's just when yeah. they're employed, not so much how I, much. That's, that's the, I guess that's that's the thing because I I have no problem with Warner, it, like a good example actually. Uh, you know, we briefly mentioned Carrie Fukunaga, mm. right? Like even outside of that that episode of True Detective or whatever in the first season, um. The oneer that he uses in uh, near the end of No Time to Die is great. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's like an amazing action that set piece. As rules. Daniel Craig is like, it, yeah, that movie is underrated. What kind of yeah. kind of weirdly under? Yeah, like weirdly. Un, I that's a sneaky movie where like I saw it, I thought it was okay. I was like, yeah, and then I actually was able to see it a second time after the press screening before I wrote my review, mm. and. The second time I watched it, I was like, oh, no, it's like really fucking good. And weirdly, like after it came, it's one of the it's it's a random movie. I find myself intentionally putting on mm-hmm. a lot, not just like watching if it's on. But like, I'll be like, yeah, let me watch. Like, let me just pop yeah, on. I mean, the have first. you heard of this? Let, let me pop on the, She's incredible. Have you heard of her? Right. Like, I'll literally just yeah. be like, let me just put on the whole <laughs> Havana sequence yeah. of No Time. You to check die, your watch. Right? Like, it's No Time to Die. But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that said, I do think that, you know, that sequence near the end of the movie in the stairwell is a really good example mm-hmm. of it's not all over the movie. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, he's not trying to make some show. He doesn't. And that's the thing. That's a really good one because it's not showy. Mm-hmm. It's one of those oneers that you watch where then when it's done, mm-hmm. you go, is that the first? Is that the first? You don't realize like, it's doing a that. Visible, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. you're like, oh, is that the first visible cut mm-hmm. I've seen in ten mm-hmm. minutes? It's just efficiently staged. Um, I mean, I guess you know, yeah. maybe another. And that's the way this movie yes. feels, and that's why it's effective yeah. because the visible edits are are very intentionally mm-hmm. used. And again, 1917 uses a visible edit for a very intentional purpose too. Halfway through the movie, but the fact is, you just you don't need it. Yeah. You could cut. You could, you could cut, cut sooner, that, and yeah. you're not. And the movie's not. The movie's probably gaining something. Yeah. It's probably. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not. It's not losing. The performances um, could feel like more lived in. It, and like, it just. Yeah, it just weirdly for a movie that wanted to connote danger, I felt so safe. It's, honestly, it's also PG yeah. thirteen, which whole, I think is a huge well, red flag sure. for a war movie of sure. any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose that's that. Also, might I be interested to see if that's also a byproduct of the focus of the movie right like if you're if you're doing kind of a son of saul type situation where you are specifically just following two people mm. or one per right like and there there aren't that many opportunities for you know someone to lose a limb or you know like you know like there aren't that many opportunities for the omaha beach sequence right. in uh you know uh prime mm. ryan but yeah, with this movie, I just think they're not unlike. I, I I do feel like the scope at which I'm comparing the two is so far like so far between. But 
but not unlike that stairwell sequence in No Time to Die. It's just this movie flows in a way where you don't, to me, you kind of, it, it, it goes away after a while. I, I, like it, it, it sort of is staged in a fashion that, that, um, and I think it's when it's staged, but it doesn't feel staged mm-hmm. when it doesn't feel kind of hermetically sealed. I do think like one of the things I, I would classify this movie as an action movie. Hmm. Like, and I, and I say that because it uses, I mean, it's not, and and again, there's not necessarily constant like danger action, Hmm. but it's constantly moving. Right. It almost in a way, I mean, it, not in a genre sense, but almost in the way like, you know, it's like a it's like an uncut gem scenario where it's, it's just kind of like propelling. Yeah, it's a th- pro- yeah, yeah. yeah. Propell- propelling through this thing. But the reason I say action movie is because and I feel like this is just something that often gets used to better effect sometimes in action movies. I guess thrillers do it too. So yeah, you got you guys are more right, but whatever. Yeah. Um the the thing of just like, you know a great action director calls back in a way that makes you go fuck like, you know, and there's, there's the beautiful sequence in this movie um, where, you know, not unlike in like ghost protocol, right. Where like he's climbing the building, he is wearing the goggles to climb the building. He gets back in, he can't wear the mask, but he still has the goggles. He stuffs them in his pocket. He runs out the door. There's a fucking sandstorm and he can't see. What's he gonna do? He's got the goggles in his pocket, right? Like it's that type, it's like very efficient, very well mm-hmm. laid out action filmmaking. And this movie has a ton of that that I think is really great mm-hmm. where there aren't things, there are things you're not always looking at that, or the movie's not always looking at that like, even either you forget about or you've got your eye on and that makes it stressful, right? Like one of them is he goes to the sequence where they're, oh God, like the numbing sequence where they're shoveling all the ash into the water, right? Right after, right outside where, you know, where they would cremate everybody. And, um, and he believes that one of the guys shoveling ash is a rabbi the renegade. So he's, he's trying to trying locate to a rabbi. Yeah, this, well. he's called. Yeah. yeah, he's called. He's called the renegade, and so he's talking to him, and the guy kind of won't give him the time of day. So he grabs his shovel and he throws it in the water, right? And the guy goes in after it, and Saul goes in after him, and you you immediately kind of realize that like Saul brings him back to the shore, but like you immediately realize Saul cannot swim, right? Mm-hmm. It's just this thing where you're like, okay, and you're like, it feels a little weird when it happens, but you're kind of like. Okay, fine, sure, right? Saul gets away, the guy gets executed, movie moves on, right? Later in the movie, right? Saul's right, got the body, they're all right. running away, and he and he can't go anywhere but the water, and immediately you're like, fucker, you can't swim. Like, and so it's this, it's stuff like that that comes back in a way that 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 constantly keeps the tension up, keeps, you know. There, there's like never a moment of safety even if you can see it 50 yards out and the movie can't right another great example is um is the he go they go to the the women's portion mm-hmm. of the camp and he gets that bundle that they're supposed to bring back based for the for the yeah, uprising powder, basically right, right? any is that what i, I wasn't sure that, if they I mentioned they what it was that, yeah. but 
Yeah. So he he gets it. He he basically puts it in like the butt uh, in like the seat of his pants, mm-hmm. right? And um, whatever goes goes moves along, and winds up in the pit where they are in the crematorium where they are doing the cremating as they're sort of just moseying people in there they're, no they're doing the pits because the they someone says the oven is full and so they're just shooting people on oh right so they're not yes right so they're but it's like a makeshift right. crematorium situation because they're, they're like, then they're burning them in the it's pits. Ins- yeah it's, it's insane um it's insane and he then because he gets sidetracked not even you know he is then doing this thing for the resistance but is still on his mission to find a rabbi and a guy comes up to him and tells him he's a rabbi. And in the, you know, sort of the throes of that, Saul is sort of mistaken for being not one of the Sonder commandos. So they're like, take off your clothes. You're going in the pit. And the minute he takes off his pants, you're like, oh, there goes the bundle. Right. And then but then all of this other stuff happens. And then he winds up getting his getting clothes back, going back to one of the leaders of the resistance, I believe Abraham is his name, mm-hmm. is the guy he goes back to. And he's like, he's like, OK, well, where's the bundle? And he's just like, I fucking lost it, man. And I like, didn't even notice he took his pants it, off. I didn't notice that. That's that's what I love about yeah. that stuff, though, is you're just it's this constant, you know, checking and rechecking of of situational kind of tension that the movie resets upon itself, because I feel like this movie could run the risk of like being kind of languid. And I think for a movie that is basically just under two hours and is supposed to represent the stretch of essentially 24 a hours, day and a half, I think about mm-hmm. a day and a half. Um, I think it does a really good job of contracting time the way that it does. And it's you that know, attention like, to detail where you do feel the Brisson influence. Um, yeah, and, and the Manis- manuscript. Um, yeah, comparison. It, 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 this movie, yeah. I, I I had kind of forgotten, and again, this is why I say it's like sneaky, super entertaining. Mm-hmm. Is like uh, because of the subject matter, you're immediately rightly like I don't know, man. <laughs> like, and I think I think I was sort of I had forgotten on my rewatch this time. Mm. Like I was like, oh, this kind of rips though a little mm. bit. This movie. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I. I had it. I'm looking now on my top 25 of the year. I had it at 11 Mm. and looking at what I put above it, you know, I might, I might put it up a couple notches. Um, I mean, we do have to say it's incredibly well regarded. I mean, it's it's been mm-hmm. it's popped up on even lists after twenty fifteen. Yeah, I don't. This movie does not need me no, no, to no, defend. No, 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 no. <laughs> sure, you know, sure. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. you're not its cheerleader. Like it's no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I'm totally. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm just saying, like, right. because like I looked up and it's like you know on like the BF um, BFI's like top something mm-hmm. whatever of the century. Not to not to invoke the beast, but did it make the sight no, and sound list? <laughs> no, it's okay. not. All right. We can move um, on. I didn't want but... <laughs> it's to. Uh, th- it's actually, uh, just to clarify, it made the BBC poll of the greatest films since 2000, which also I believe Amor was on. So two of the of the films that we've covered. And there was another list it was on that was mm-hmm. like one of, like, you know. One the of Guardian them. also. Uh, All these on lists. And the lists. Razzies. Yeah, yeah. To, I think the Razzies <laughs> nominated it for. Well, no, we would that. have covered it. Oh. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, but it was one of those 
so like this movie is like even after 2015 it has a lot of staying power and it's not mm-hmm. one of the, it's not like i've really i i've already forgotten the title of it what's the fucking dutch movie we covered what was the first what the first one was it dutch it's a uh, suzanne beer uh it's a uh, in a bitter world in a better yeah i would have you could have put a gun to my head and i couldn't tell you that title um it's a <laughs> It is a little bit of a phrase. It's a phrase title, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. I, that's a but fair it's point. It's also just one. It's a yeah. forgettable movie that has no staying power. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like no cultural impact. It's truly just forgettable in every sense of the word. Uh, it's fine. As, I mean, especially like what yeah. we talked about with that episode, like seeing its competition and that it was against mm. like Denis Villeneuve. It was against Yorgos Lanthimos, and it's like, huh? Like that's yeah. the one that they chose. And it to, has like you know, like five people have said it, seen it on Letterbox or whatever the fuck. Like it, it's mm. like it's right. crazy that it won. Um, and also, um, like, I don't know. I don't think that, I don't know if the great beauty is like, a, like has a total cultural relevance, but that's a other mm. conversation. Um, that's a, I mean, that's the interesting thing I think about, and I, I, f- I feel like you see this on Twitter ad nauseum, but I don't think it's necessarily incorrect in some instances where I, the two thousands are kind of f- funny. And, and again, it's, I think it's also and then the 2010s rather like are so funny. And I think it's obviously because we're so close to them Mm -hmm. still. Right. But like, it is just, it it is a decade of like, Oh, that one, Mm, like, you know, like the thing. And great. I don't, I mean, admittedly, I remember when this won the Oscar, I remember thinking like, I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like like it's, it's on the right. I think it's on, I think the Academy's on the right side of history. But uh, sorry. Oh, please. No, 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 I was just going to say like, it's, it is just, I think the decade, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but I do think the decade is rife with things of like, wow, we've talked about that other movie way more for the past 10 to 12 years mm-hmm. than we did this one or this one or, you know, whatever. And so it is, I, I think you see it come up a lot in like the Twitter sphere of like, I, I think about it a lot with... um the you know people constantly post all the actors who have won best actor mm-hmm. and like yeah. and what they've won for we've we've, we've we brought that up like i'll say this we in hushed tones but the the only one on that list that's like yeah sure is casey Affleck. no it's yeah. true it's true it's like yes that's the that's the yeah lewis i know that because of i know that because yeah Sure, I'd have to look at that year mm-hmm. again for best actor. Mm-hmm. Daniel Day Lewis is, is generally yeah. great. Is? I'm not I'm not debating that. I'd have to <laughs> I'd have yeah. to weigh that I'd have to look at what he who he was nominated yeah. nominated against. But you know, because but my point yeah. my point being like it's for a decade that's so rife with that and and whatever we'll reevaluate as I mean as you two are doing right you're like almost reevaluating the canon of the 2010s. You know, I to your point generally, I think this is one that'll still yeah stick around because in another it's interesting. Years. Like, yeah. I think whenever there's, and I think we're honestly seeing this right now with the uh, a quiet on the Western Front. Um, sure, that, that whenever yeah, yeah. there's, well, okay, well, it doesn't matter because you know awards awards bodies are just it. like champion. Me too, and it's it, it, it that one at this recording has had sort of a soft open where it's like, there's not much noise for it, but real. I, I know emphasis on soft where people who like it, who have seen it, like it, but there's not much noise it, for it. Like Netflix it, is prioritizing yeah. other things, it needs but I'm just saying that it needs, 
it's, but I'm just saying I that we're all, we also live in a we also lived in a we also live in a time currently of movie going. right where everything's soft no, yeah. like as a mm, that's true yeah like because right, even right. It, I, you know I can't tell you how many movies I loved in 2022 that like you know I'm not I'm not sure how you guys feel about this movie but like. Mm. A, a movie like Confess Fletch, even, oh. like, is a movie that I went to see when it had its very small theatrical run, and I was like, "What a pleasant joy this movie mm. is!" And it's one of those things where that's one of those movies that I it, to call it underrated is not necessarily correct, but that's almost no, what it's underrated. It but, is that yeah, it's just no, yeah. it's just it's just underseen. Yeah, yeah, it's also which is to yeah. say everyone who does see it, or I'll say most people who see it, are like. This is in, right. in, in six months from now, we're going to we're going to be seeing posts that are like, have you guys seen Confess Fletch? And it's like, where were you? Yeah, yeah. In, yes. Summer yeah, 2022. Exactly. And I, like, la- like in 2021, I felt like I felt that way about last do du- the last I mean, year oh, where like it's like one of the it's like one of the worst marketed movies in the world because <laughs> everyone was just like, oh, it's a medieval Me Too movie. Right, and it's you're right, like, yeah, right. kind of yeah. like a little, but it's also a, like funny yeah. and like. It it's a fucking Nicole Holofcener wrote it right yeah yeah honestly but, yeah I'll go right, I mean yeah. I you want me, you want me to do ten minutes on last <laughs> yeah, duel seriously. I'll happily do it but, but but point being it's just one of those things of like w- like when that movie hit HBO Max for instance mm-hmm. early in 2022 yeah like I saw people on Twitter <laughs> finally be like oh yeah I watched that last duel and now that Confess like, Fletch is on Showtime I think it's gonna have a second I, shelf life no, it's, all, this, yeah, it's the same I've, thing people all are of these like, movies what a I've fun heard time, about you know? 10 times more than All Quiet on the Western Front I just that, that was just my point no, yes, but, I guess. and my original point was like that when there's a war film that enters the awards conversation there's a pin in yeah. it because it's about war and it's like well those are generally celebrated no matter yes. how good it is yeah, and i think yeah. that's why and of course like why son of saul won and why ida won uh of course there are other factors at play but i think that is also a factor um sure and i don't I, you know it's like that that yes like Laszlo Nimi's uh went about this in a stylistically interesting way that i that appealed to multiple voting bodies and uh and this one, I, I don't know. I just, I can, I see Connor's point that this does have uh, a cultural footprint. Uh, love it or hate it, and, and I understand why it's divisive. It's and not it, in a way, it, I, but but also like it, I would say a so, localized cultural footprint, mm-hmm. like because because not in a way. Again, like I, you know, my my mom doesn't know what Son of Saul is, <laughs> right? But but in a way that like. I don't know if you, if if you told me I don't know why anyone would ever do this but if you're making like a mood board of Holocaust movies like this dude's fucking face is like burned into my brain mm. like you know what I mean like if if you just like if I had to do some sort of free association test of like first images that come to mind if you were to bring up movies about the Holocaust mm-hmm. this thing is right you know right there and I think I think that's the, that's the staying power. Like you're not, you. I don't hear necessarily people constantly talking about mm-hmm. it, but I just think like if you told people to make a short list of like, you know, whatever of like movies in, the, in yeah. that sphere, yeah. it would be right there. And it's Geza Rorick, who's who's a non-professional actor, who's a poet. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that we come back to this idea of the best international features having non-professional actors. Um, in their leads, like Ida, Roma, A Fantastic Woman, mm. and these directors using them to sort of shape into these stories that 
they may not otherwise have the right person to to take shape in, in the in the lead roles. Um, but I, I guess I guess this one does separate itself because like Omore and a few other, I mean, listen, like this category has given the award to, to films that are pretty heavy. Um, yeah. And it's like with with war films and the Oscars um, and things and things like Dunkirk and Saving Private mm-hmm. Ryan, we bring up Saving Private Ryan and Apocalypse Now. It's like 1917. It's like it's war films and the Oscars. I guess maybe this one's different because it's Holocaust and, and sort of like not soldier, you know. It's yeah, like it's like the it's like the partition category. Sure, it's like, yeah. I, I, the I, movies in this category are like World War Two films, yeah, or they're Holocaust yeah, that's films, true. Right? Or, and I guess like yeah. the question I keep coming back to is like the, you know this one, it's played with also this thing of like oh it's it's so hard to di- it's undigestible, and because mm. of that it's because the filmmaking is so good and and so assured of itself. But I mean that's an achievement I think, um, and that shouldn't be held against it. And it's interesting that the, because this one's about the Holocaust and now and not the people like fighting the war on the outside, it's like that's yeah. what is sort of the differentiating factor, and not so much its relationship with the Academy, right? Does that make sense? And yeah, um, yeah, that yeah. will throw on these yeah. these war classics, and it's about like honor and valor, and this one's also about human resilience. But it's just like I, I don't know if this. I, I think it's sense, worth but. mentioning though that. The, the the even the war movies I was, maybe other than like but I just mean like those now, other classics like, aren't played with the same thing that this one is where it's like those are like sure sort of like because I haven't heard like seeing Private Ryan or, or I guess like Schindler's List is um, like yeah. you only need to like throw it on once or what have you like which is a I try not to think of films that way but it's I don't know it doesn't make sense but. Yeah, I I think it's worth mentioning though like even the even the movies you name checked like are the ones that that work on a level of cinematic entertainment in a, in addition to right. the thing that right. they're that they're right. like trying to massage yeah, so through saving, in terms private of Ryan, like but themes. You have Tom Hanks as like an actor like mm-hmm. you know like it has Yeah, and, yeah. I mean and then look like Saving Private Ryan has like amazing right. action sequences mm-hmm. like it's amazing scenes of tension in it and like right. and Right, that that's that's like the spe- and I and granted, like the detractors of that movie, kind of are detractors of it, sort of for that reason mm-hmm. of like, oh, he's like kind, it's like he's, it's like, he doesn't love war, but he's also making like amazing action sequences. Right. So like, and I think I don't know, I think that's that stuff bothers me less with those movies. The same way it doesn't bother me with this movie because it's like, I don't think there's anything wrong with engaging your audience and just because your audience is enjoying and engaged watching a thing that doesn't mean they're like this is fun and awesome right like those aren't necessarily like those aren't necessarily like the same thing right and like even a like a dunkirk which is sort of kind of similar to this in a way of like in terms of the way it it's structured and follows its characters in terms of its like focus but like yeah like you get into Dunkirk and it's it's an action movie. Yeah. It's a, you know what I mean? Like it's not it, it and it kind of doesn't pretend to be um otherwise. I this movie I think is like would also be comparable not stylistically but again I, almost more to another Spielberg movie. A little bit more to something like Munich mm, which is yeah, like a movie shoot. that's mining yeah. itself for like very serious subject matter. One of my favorites. And it does take yeah. 
It's great. Yeah. It's great. I I'm I'm of the camp that that era Spiel that like late period post 9/11 Spielberg yes. is the best yes. Spielberg. Connor, but, yes. What do you think about um, Spies? But I've come around on that one. It's not my mm, favorite of of the ones that people lump in with the other ones. I I did recently rewatch it for the first great time. Um <laughs> Great dad movie. Yeah. Great dad movie. You've always, you know, has, Clay's has always liked that one more than great me. Stuff. And I would like to cover it just to like give it another I, look. But admittedly, I was not, I, I like it now, but when I saw it, I was like, that was kind mm, of boring. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was like bad. I just like wasn't, it's okay. I like, you just have wasn't that engaged now. with it. I but. mean, then, so it's fine. <laughs> now you have the right opinion, which is good. No, so, I yeah, mean, yeah. speaking, no, 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 I, I mean, also, also 2015, I wonder if there's something there, but. No, yeah, it could be. I, I think part of it too is weirdly <laughs> as someone like Spielberg is like weirdly in some circles, like somehow underrated, right. Right. which is like right. weird well, to think about. Like, well, it's, it's just the backlash, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's the thing. It's like the net and it's fine. Well, that, you but know, he's whatever. an institution People... and institutions like it are yeah. taken for granted every time. Yes. I think that's also what yes, happens ex- with, exactly. I mean, and this might come out of left field, but when, um, uh, Alex Trebek died, I think people were like, fuck, he was really something, wasn't he? We, but we took, but he's, he was an institution. <laughs> Yeah, we we just he didn't was think on, about it. He, yeah, yeah. he was on I, our televisions like every night, and we just didn't have an idea. And then he was like, "Oh fuck, that he it, was great." I, I think with yeah, with stuff like that, it's it's hard. But the, the point being, you know, I think it does get lost on some people just how impressive some of the stuff he does in some of his movies is. And I think Munich is one of those examples of like he's juggling really heavy shit. He's not taking it for granted. He's not treating it lightly, but munich is also a banger like it's also like riveting and has Mm -hmm. some of the best like thrilling tense sequences he's ever directed right and i think there is a world you know there's clearly a world for both things i think what's impressive about this movie is just I, i i don't know like this is gonna seem weird to say but I don't know if I've seen another Holocaust movie that's like as entertaining as and, this. Yeah. I, in ter- yeah. In terms of like just the way it moves. And like it feels weird to say, but it's, but it's, but again, not unlike a Munich. I don't, it certainly is not flippant about its right. subject matter. You know, it's not, we don't, we don't have Jojo Rabbit and Cartoon Hitler. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like it's, uh, um, uh, but uh, uh, sorry, I didn't mean uh, to. Dredge, I didn't mean to Just dredge it all up again. But point being, sternum. Jesus. <laughs> but no, no being, one picked that. I just want to. No it's one. a, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating movie. Right, I think right. for the, for that right, reason, because right, right. you kind of, I, you know, like it's the thing that I would have to convince somebody like my mom. I'd be like, yeah, it's about a guy in Auschwitz who's kind of work, like he's forced to work for the Nazis mm-hmm. and he just wants to bury this boy. And then she'd be like, okay. And I'd be like, but it's really entertaining. Well, like, I'd have to be like, I think what's interesting is but it's like better than that sounds. I'll, I'll bring up come and see again. Cause I think both of yeah, those, true. both come and see and son of Saul are having this cloud of <laughs> being a Holocaust but yeah, underneath it's a, it's a, it is a barrier underneath sure. that barrier yeah. you get to like here it's like everything you described about having this wearing this clothing of a jack of a uh of a thriller and, and sort of like yeah. a brisson-esque look into 
one person's duty of of a um of a participant in this institution but then like in, in come and see it's sort of this like psychological horror this like psychedelic like psychedelic imagery sometimes and it's like that's really engaging where it's like this is you see the uh personification of trauma in 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 that one but yeah i guess because because like there's just other things going on it's, it does feel like uh that there's there's more choices than what may appear i yeah it's uh it's just it's deceptive yeah. i think yeah yeah deceptive yeah, yeah exactly on one hand, it, it, it's truly a, it's like a quandary of like, is making a movie, a movie about the Holocaust entertaining okay? Sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying like, but sure no, it's but okay. It, it's, I'm saying like, it's, that's, I don't yeah, have I think an, that's a, I think that's a thing people face with mm-hmm. these movies and, all the time. Yeah. Like, and I don't necessarily have an answer, but I mean, it's funny. I'm going to bring up an interview that we are we are we thinking about the same one i think so that we've already brought up on this mini series itself are we thinking of the same one Jeff? yeah yeah I mean, michelle Haneke Haneke. yeah yeah yeah, the, yeah. Um, uh, director's round table or whatever thr right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, or i think it was writers but yeah no yeah same and he talked about his feelings on making holocaust movies mm-hmm. um yeah and a lot of people share those same opinions. Would, I, I, I don't... For those that don't know, he was asked by the moderator, like, what are your thoughts on Schindler's List and making a film about the Holocaust and the moral uh, gravity that's 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 forced upon you at that task. What a crazy and then question to ask, gives, by the way. He gives, he gives this very... Right. And he gives these weighty answer, very thought out, methodical. And then it cuts to John Krasinski. And it's it's very funny. <laughs> I'm Jim from The Office. No, he doesn't say that. Um, right. And, and then like Judd Apatow is like, I'm, I'm just really glad I didn't. Why put those guys in a room together? It made no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, and so on one hand, there's that. And, that, and that's something I'm struggling, you know, I struggle with when watching this because it is very much that way it's so it's paced so frenetically and it is moving at such a fast pace that and for a holocaust movie especially it's just like wow okay you kind of have to like take a you kind of like usually there's this you know like Schindler's List was like three hours long and like you know Sophie's Mm -hmm. Choice I bet is like you know two two thirty two forty um like these movies usually take their time and whether you know for and for good or bad reasons you know I, that's not mm-hmm. that's not me qual uh that's not me saying there is a correlation between quality and runtime but mm-hmm. it is a thing that is usually seen in movies like this um ida is post holocaust and it's like an hour and 20 so uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. different but this one being an hour 45 i think it does help it that it doesn't feel too sprawling Yes, and it does. It does yeah. like help with the contained. Atmosphere, well, it's but. all about contained, and that, and that's, mm-hmm. and I think that's my big issue of the film. I'm just saying, if if Nemez does does no, take I understand the what you're saying. Make it yeah, too, no. like yeah. an hour longer than right. it would feel right. No, it would okay. feel exhausting. No, I, I get, yeah. no, I get mm-hmm. it. Um, I just, I, and and this might be a, too much of a, like redundant or uh, too much. This might be too. Um, What I'm about to say might sound too, like, 
nit, not nitpicky, but like simple. Maybe this is mm-hmm. too simplified mm. of me to say. I just don't like a movie that for most of the runtime I'm watching a dude's back. Mm. That's <laughs> like that's my issue. Is like you're like you're like you're playing a god yeah, of war and, or something right. like that. I, <laughs> and I'm just like I don't. I've and by sure. the way, to that point, I've seen first person shooter brought up a few times in, but, in and, relation to the in relation to but, this. Right, and, yeah. And yeah. to be fair, yeah. to Sun Assault, that's uh, if you ever do a gimmick like not a gimmick, but if you ever do this well, gimmick, whatever you want to fucking call it. If you ever approach this sure. filmmaking style, that's just what you're going to be called. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. because of, it's inherent. It's just yeah. inherent, yeah. and especially with how video gamified society is and our brains are, that's just going to be the thing. It's and, and no matter how well yeah. or how yeah. poorly you do it, you're that that word is that term is going to come up for better or for worse. Yeah, and it's especially as we reach kind of that Venn diagram of like video games becoming movie properties and video games becoming more exactly. cinematic in, in, in certain like spheres or whatever. All like... now in the same fucking soup. Um, I just, but yeah, I just have an issue with how so much of the frame is the dude's back or the back of the dude's head. Like I just, and I, mm. and that's not in uh, just a pure filmmaking sense, a pure cinematic sense I have an issue when if, if my movie is like it looks like that and obviously mm-hmm. i'm again that's being very simple about it obviously there's a lot of shots of his actual fucking face and it's not just all his back but i just at some point i see that red x on his jacket and i feel like and when i'm thinking of this movie it feels like i'm that's the it feels like that's what the entire movie was and i obviously i know that wasn't the case but and we were talking about aspect ratio and like how other movies do it so when you brought up a ghost story, I had to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That wasn't 4 by 3 When you brought up um, First Reform, like, oh, yeah, that was 4 by 3 I And Lighthouse is more – I've seen that more recently, and also that's very much more, like – it feels very – I love the movie, but it, that's, like – it's very apparent. It's 4 by 3 Like, it's a very mm-hmm. – very obvious well, choice. Well, that's where, that's where I think you start to – and I I enjoy his, his movies – pretty Same. well i was kind of disappointed in the north Same, yeah but but <laughs> that's just without going on a tangent too much like i do think with a movie like the lighthouse you're also hitting like peak saturation of a24 as brand <laughs> sure and then it's this it's this thing of like it, you, you start seeing things look a certain way and feel a certain way because it's a brand kind of, even though they're, even if they're not the ones making right. the movies, like even if they're just releasing the movie well, or they whatever, choose what the trailers like, are it's still, like they well, have a very consistent choice. No, 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 sure. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're still yeah. curating right, exactly. the things they're choosing to yeah, release. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but I guess my point is like, yeah, things like, I, cause I agree with you, like things like me rolling my eyes at an Academy ratio. Yeah. It stems a little bit from that, like a commodification mm. of something that that could totally be done with valid artistic. It adds intent. nothing. It, right. Yeah. If, it, if it doesn't add anything, then then. And I can't remember, for instance, like I, like I said before, like I, I love the first reforms mm-hmm. use of it. Um, and I, I went I saw that movie at a uh, 
uh, Lincoln Center Q and A mm. with Ethan Hawke and and mm. Paul Schrader, friends of the show. You were just sitting next <laughs> yeah. to them, just like and, hey guys, pretty yeah. good movie. <laughs> we were just hanging out. Yeah. No, I had the most Paul Schrader shit in the world. I remember he came out and sat down Listen for the Q and A, and he's just kind of, he's like listening, he's like looking around, he's like, <laughs> he's like breathing into the mic, he's like, oh, okay, and then he goes, I'm sorry if I'm slow with my answers. I got blood in my eye. <laughs> was his like response it was just this thing he's like my eyes full of blood i can't see awesome uh was was awesome. winning that's how he opened the q and a we love our uncle paul i remember get off of facebook him. paul Sorry. i can't i can't remember the, the exact answer he gave but i remember he had a good answer for the academy ratio mm-hmm. and first reformed and i remember thinking oh thank god yeah like you know what I mean? right like, right right, right, like, right. Like good, like, it's like finally has okay. someone has like, an explanation it didn't, for this. Choice. It didn't bother me. It, it didn't bother me necessarily when I saw it, but at least you confirmed. Mm-hmm. Like you're not. I just full like of it when I. Do, that's not um, like the main thing about the movie, and which is my right. issue with yeah. this one. And I and it's funny how it's not really my issue with the lighthouse because it's kind of hypocritical mm-hmm. of me to say, but I don't know. Like because obviously because when I think of light. I, Part of that could be a product of this. This is a first film. Yeah, that's right. True. So, so I, I don't want as much as I like this movie, and as much as I think, it, as much as I think it deserves its accolades. I mean, some of these things are byproducts of a, a first filmmaker mm. being like, "Let me do some things." Right? That, admittedly, yeah, are on the nose stylistically in terms of what you're, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. Right. So I think that yeah, I think that's that's definitely part of it of what, like yeah i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna not only am i gonna shoot him shallow but i'm gonna put him in a box <laughs> right, right? right like all this stuff right. and so i could totally i think i think not not even just not liking it aesthetically but not even vibing with that as a choice like mm. artistically i don't necessarily i i think that's a totally valid criticism like i don't know how much that's like i don't know how if this movie's and this is a testament to how good it is otherwise. Mm-hmm. If this movie is more traditionally made, I don't know if it's worse. Yeah. You know, like, I, I mean, it might lose something because I do think there is something special to some of the just the really like shallow depth of field, for instance. Mm-hmm. But if it's at like a two, three, five ratio with that shallow depth of field, like... Because if it's at yeah, two three five, like, does it lose anything formally? Because you have such heavy lifting done by the sound design, and I, I just could, yeah, yeah I guess I guess that yeah, it feels you're seeing more yeah, of the things that you're only hearing. hearing. That, yes, but yeah, I mean, that, I didn't totally, I didn't totally initially think about the A twenty four thing. That yes, they do attract that style of filmmaker that we mentioned that and we've covered some of them and we like some of them um also andrea arnold comes to mind that's like american honey i know has been criticized for for the aspect ratio where it's like this sprawling character drama it's a road movie but yet it feels it feels like it has to be this thing someone else and uh, i I think there's there's nothing wrong with a director making a style mm-hmm. like I have no problem with someone choosing making a stylistic choice because they like the way that it looks and nothing more, mm-hmm. right? Like I think but that's when they okay. start challenging, yes. them, challenging themselves, I have to. So when you were talking about how when we were talking about 1917, Howard, like they wanted to, they, you know, they just want to do something that's kind of like big and sprawling just to like see if they can do it. That reminds yeah. me of 
and maybe just because this is my brain, um, it's mm. like that's such a sports mentality to me. In the sense, sure, that it, yeah, it's yeah. not art at that point. It's just it, like it's ego, sure, but there's so much ego in every piece of art. In art, but anyway, it's yeah, it doesn't that matter. That idea of it's not for the art; it's for the achievement. It's for mm. I right. can do this. Oh, he made that three. I will make a deeper three. And, and look, I that yeah, I love the basketball analogy. Like I, I think there and there there have been good things that have been made under those conditions true. right in terms Very of true. like mm. i i meant like i mentioned this i mean that but but you get a, where you get that more than because i don't even know if 1917 falls into this but you know i feel like you get a lot of that stuff in a one for me one for Absolutely. them scenario type Absolutely. of filmmaker and uh, but and, and those are instances where i actually don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it like and i i mentioned this on our, on the b-side we did an episode on brian de palma and i mentioned that like Nobody in the history of like big studio filmmakers maybe has ever made better ones for them mm. than Brian De Palma. Right. Mm -hmm. And but I but I think part of that is he was a very honest guy about like, yeah, this is one for them, but would take those as opportunities Do to like shit. be like, well, if I'm make if I'm making one for them, let me at least he wouldn't restrain himself to, just because yeah, it was let, a let job me, for hire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, like, I don't I don't there are things sam mendes has done that i like a lot mm -hmm. there are Skyfall's other things great. that i do not like yeah, yeah uh, i like no, no i love skyfall it's like the only movie i like I, him. now look i think <laughs> i think skyfall on its own is is fine and entertaining but i would presuppose that skyfall is a james bond movie for people who don't that's like james bond very mm. fair i'm not versed in the, i'm um, not I'm, I'm, i've seen one connery and all the craigs that's really it or i think i've seen two two connery's. so and I'm not that's not even necessary. I'm not even saying that as a no, dig. It I just think sort of fair, feels it's like completely a, fair. Yeah. Um, but that said, I I don't know where 1917 is on the scale of like a one for me or one for them with him. Right. You know, right, like. Right. So I would say in that regard, if that is if that is a one for them and he's just and maybe maybe I probably. But I guess my point is like even though it's a matter of ego and there's a showmanship to it that I don't like, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same way I feel about something like Babylon too, where it's like, there is a, there is a moderate element to me of like, eh, respect. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like you got, you got a studio to right. give you a fuck ton of right. money just so, just right. so you can try this thing. Like, and I can see now look in a, in a world of, you know, where, women directors and directors of color need to fight for budgets yeah maybe it sucks that we gave sam mendes a fuck ton of money just so he can try and shoot something in like a really long take mm. or whatever like that that's there's something that's shitty about that for sure but there is another part of it of like yeah i don't know if you could fucking right, grab right, the right, purse right, strings right. while they're open I, I, I got a I got a little bit of respect for that with babylon and sam mendes it's like you know we have them doing their thing but then empire of light and babylon aren't doing like no one's no one's seen them so it's like you you had your achievement empire of light does not but exist. then yeah, that movie doesn't exist well I, yeah, but it's that's... okay but sure but still not yeah, doing well, well right? that, that's like, what i'm saying em, yeah yeah yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, what's funny is em, empire of light is the movie that i think everyone thought the fablemans was gonna be yeah. like when you watch that movie yeah and people like people looked at the 
movies are dreams and Fablemans, and they were like, no thanks, <laughs> right? Yeah. Without, but it's, I, also Fablemans isn't doing well. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. But I, but I think that that fit that scenario is more like I had mentioned to uh, to Dan at one point. I was like, oh, Fablemans is this year's la- or the twenty twenty two's the last duel. Mm. Like it's a movie that's like so poorly marketed, right. but I don't know how else Great you would market it, and so actors. nobody goes to see it, and it does right. really bad. But then when you actually watch yeah. it. Like when Fablemans doesn't cost like $20 to watch on Amazon and it's free somewhere, mm-hmm. I guarantee you there's going to be a slew of fucking people on Twitter and shit that are like, oh, but what a what a weird, loose, fun, but like good, well-made movie. You know, like I anyway. Well, sorry. It, it's also interesting. It, and we should start winding down. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like Fablemans and West Side Story, I think, are like top shelf yeah what's that spielberg it came out, came but out in 2021 this, as well. yeah. kind of like the same thing happened to west side story that happened to fablemans where it's well, like which is yeah, one showed up like, a, like and and, said, and i pop champagne for it he's weirdly on like, in a world of, yeah yeah in a world of a24 <laughs> art house dominance and mainstream disney dominance some of it is him it's we it's weird to think that steven spielberg is, well, is an he's, underdog he's you know, to blame like, for some of it i mean sure bfg ready player one like yeah he had a you, bad he had a bad the post string. yeah and i don't <laughs> think the post is horrible but it's like it's all low tier spielberg where you're just gonna be like right you know people are just gonna be like yeah no i'm good no more well because because i mean yeah. that is interesting that you know it I, I as for as much as i i really love uh tintin lincoln uh, I, I, you know, post to some extent, but and then, I gotta rewatch, and then I gotta like rewatch Lincoln, but t- Tintin fucking slaps. It, yeah, Tintin it rocks. But then like you have entertaining movie. the run of BFG and Ready Player One, yeah. where it's like let me let me do another popcorn family where, movie, for, but I watch, haven't done one in a while. Bridge of Spies, like, and you're like. You watch Bridge of Spies and you're like, is Mark Rylance like the best thing that's happened to Steven Spielberg in a long time? And then you watch BFG. <laughs> but you and you're so like, like, is Mark Rylance it's, the worst thing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Um, yeah. But anyway. How about. I, it's, it's, all, it's all to say that I think yes. it's, it's interesting that, you know, these people do the, just back to the 1917 of it all. Mm-hmm. These people get these budgets. They do these things just to try a thing. And you're like, yeah, no, you're just trying a thing. And then, and then, then I think it is what separates, you know, it is what separates the Brian De Palmas of the world, you know, from the Sam Sam Mendes of the world. world. Not even that, not even that they're even, not that Sam Mendes is trying to be Brian De Palma or anything. They're obviously very different filmmakers, but point being like, even a James Cameron, right? Mm. Where it's like, I'm making this big fucking movie. And I love going underwater and these are all, and these, and these are all the things that interest me and whatever. And he's throwing a fuck ton of money at it and everyone laughs and then people go see it because he's actually good at it too. Mm. And that's He's going to make matters, a third right? one about like, fire avatars. Are, are we not excited? Yeah. This is great. Yeah. I, yeah. So anyway, um, it, it, it's just funny to think that like, that's where we're yeah. at, where all these people who are like, you know who are objectively great at making very good things mm-hmm. when they, when they find the right material are somehow just but uh, interesting well, time to cho- start the movie. I blame the children. Yeah, I blame us. We suck. Uh, um, <laughs> but to go to your point, to connect it back to son of Saul with um, the budget thing where like, you know, the idea that these 
big, um, you know, these big directors get like, like these sizable budgets and try to pull some like a filmmaking feet off. This mm. was, oh, they were struggling to find financing for this one. Really, well, that, really hard. I think what there is an mm-hmm. unsung talent. I think what ties it all together mm-hmm. is there is an unsung talent in filmmaking. And I know people don't, you know, I think maybe people wince at constantly making it about money. Right. But it is because that's what makes the stuff. Right. But there is an unsung talent. And I also say this as a producer, if you can put the money on the screen, that's the fucking mm-hmm. goods, baby. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. like, that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. Talk about right? Jim Cameron. And that's what, right. That no, but that's that's kind. Of, that's what me. That's that's why. So, that's why Son of Saul and Avatar: The Way of Water are in the same conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. they are both different sized examples of just like wringing out mm-hmm. everything you can to like fully realize and fully build out a thing. Whereas, if you're putting it in the wrong places, it starts to feel wasteful, mm-hmm. and that's and that's where you get. That's where you get 1917. That's where you get half of the Marvel movies. That's where you, you know, like you get all these things where you're like, I like what I like. I know where the money's going because, you know, and some of us know where the money's going because we are aware of how these things get made technically. But like there is a thing of just like, I don't know, man, there's got to be a better way. And yeah, I don't know. I, I always marvel at it's this at, at economy in mm. a movie, right? Yeah. Like bo- both in a narrative sense and a a literal sense in terms of like um you know money but the the economy of this movie i think is what makes it such a surprising watch Mm -hmm. just in its in its reserved nature um but it but the but its ability to leverage all of its tools to kind of really even again catering it to a non-actor right being being sort of you know aware enough to be like, well, no, this is a thing. And this is a concept that I want to get across and tell. And maybe that's going to be easier for me to do if I'm not having to cater it around someone who performs in a specific way. Right. Um, or someone who's immediately recognized in a specific way, even though that person might be the person that secures me funding or whatever. Like it may be if I can just economically, you know, put, this movie is the rock in the middle of the river and the rest of the movie right, is just going by right. him kind of thing. Like, uh, that's, what's really impressive to me in this movie is just how efficient it is at all in almost every aspect of its film. Definitely. Yeah. So the project, uh, struggled to find financial backers due to the unconventional approach and, um, his lack of experience in directing a movie. Um, originally intended to be a French production with the French protagonist. The film was produced entirely in Hungary. After potential co-production partners in France, Israel, Germany, and Austria turned down the project, the 1.5 million, I'm not sure the currency, budget was ultimately covered by the Hungarian National Film Fund, Hungarian tax credits, and the claims conference. So basically, he went to fucking four countries They were like, nah, and Hungary is like, I guess we'll cover this, and he made it. But it is, and even though I have pretty, like, uh, fundamental issues with the film when it comes to its filmmaking approach um i it's you can't not say it's not impressive what he does because Mm. even if you take the filmmaking approach like you take like you know the four by three or the 
you know, 40 millimeter or the shallow lens, blah, blah, blah. You take that out of the... There is a ton of fucking people. They have, he has to manage a ton of fucking people in this movie, a ton of different areas, a ton of different spaces, mm-hmm. you know, fucking a lot of like, you know, there's fire for like a ton of it. And it's just, he has to yeah. f- just do a ton of fucking shit with a pretty low mm-hmm. budget. And I, I don't, and you can't say it ever looks cheap. Uh, I think the approach to the film is is not something I uh, particularly like in the sense of uh, with you know the filmmaking, like you know the long takes and blah blah blah. But it every every second is you see it, the money's on the screen. Like it's very much like a competently made movie. It looks expensive, yeah, I mean, even if it's not. Yeah, which is an one of the most yeah. fascinating parts of this movie is the credits. <laughs> like in that in that mm. regard, like when you look at like sort of the size of the crew, and it's yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very, I think the spirit in which this thing is made helps it considerably because I think if it's Definitely. if it's like a bigger movie scope wise, not even scope wise on screen, but just bigger movie in terms of like everything behind the camera with maybe slightly more recognizable international stars you know um not not that she would be in this but like you know like somebody on the level of like an isabel Huppert or something like that like you know you're it it feels like a i think a different thing at that point mm. but it never feels well the guy cheap, the guy they casted like, wasn't he was so he's uh he was in new york he you know he has um i don't know if he's hungarian or has hung, hungarian descent um uh, ancestry but um he the director wanted to cast all the actors who spoke the language their characters did and initially the main guy i, I forget his name was um going Giza Rorig. Mm-hmm. um yeah. he was going to be a supporting <laughs> role but he cast him uh, he and by the way he is uh hungarian okay, yeah. okay. he cast i know he's like yeah. a new york mm-hmm. made like a new york theater actor though Yes. Um, yes. He hasn't acted in in like a number of years, and he also he wasn't in a movie were, since the eighties before. This. Since the eighties, yeah, yeah. That's nuts. But also worked worked in a um, uh, mortician in a funeral service. Whoa! I did not know that part. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, he would. Yeah. I, I had read that he yeah. would like keep watch over the bodies. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a. So maybe that maybe that prepares him I for the guess. numb look Holy on his face shit. that he uh, that he houses mm-hmm. for most of that's the a, movie. That's like a bizarre <laughs> coincidence because he didn't cast him because of that. That's just that's just a thing that was a part of his background. That's crazy. Exactly, exactly. And and you know, he'd been working at this funeral service for uh, for for like fifteen years just for minimum wage. It, it looks was like. he currently working when he got the role? It looks like it. Yeah. Whoa. He was, I thought he was like a full-time theater actor. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Man, life. Um, <laughs> I, so I just want to talk uh, – I just want to ask your, both your thoughts on the ending, and then we'll get to favorite scene, and then we'll wrap it up. But what do you uh, think of the ending? I don't want to say too much because this might be my – Oh, okay. You know, might be brought up. Okay. Like, well, okay. Much, well, but, actually, well, yeah. what's your uh, you favorite know. scene? We'll just go yeah, into yeah. that and then – Favorite scene is the ending. How about this? Uh, we'll just, you know, uh, right out there. Um, I think it's great. Uh, it ties the ambiguity of the film together uh, uh, and how Saul is reflecting on this – noble act of service to save one person aside from his own 
is then personified in the boy that he sees. I, I think the imagery is all great and how we get there. Just like sort of that sequence and, and the... Oh, there's a quote that I have. Oh, um, uh, Giza Rorig interpreted Saul's smile, the peasant boy at the end, as Saul's sudden realization that although he failed to give his son a proper burial, he nevertheless succeeded in saving him from the cremation uh, and could accept the inevitability of the death of a happy man. So, uh, from, you know. But I just, I just like how the whole thing wraps up. It,
you know, it's it's one of those things where it's this movie is kind of a it's like a conveyor belt movie where you feel like it can only end one way. Yes, yes, yes. Regardless, um, and it, when it finally gets there, there is that thing of almost yeah, like a a a deep like a deep-seated sadness mm. but like weirdly a hint of relief mm. in a way kind of where you're like all right well we made it through like we're like yeah just in terms of like the minute it leaves saul mm-hmm. and follows this boy it you're like resigned we're right like, like finally as as gives we that, get to yeah as soon as he gives it. that smile there's a finality to it that mm-hmm. isn't not good or positive or anything like that. It's just a thing. It's like a relief in the sense of just, it is a release. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right. And moving on. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's kind of fascinating. It is fast. Yeah. Um, Cause you get to, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, what, do you have any favorite scene? Um, I mean the end I had, so I had forgotten about the ending um, mm. in terms of, I was trying to play. I was like, how does I like, couldn't remember like exactly how th- I knew that it involved German soldiers in the woods, but mm-hmm. I like, I had a hard time like trying to remember yeah. how it ended. So that when it, when the minute the little boy showed up there, I was like, Oh, oh right, that's fuck. right. Yeah. That it's, it is great. Um, and it's one of those endings other, where it's like, Oh, right. It catches you off guard. Like, and then it's just over the, I think the whole sequence, um, the whole sequence where he's going through, um, he's going through the coats and the clothes and he's looking at like papers, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I, that's the kind of stuff that I loved. Cause I, the, the, to me, the most entertaining parts about this movie and the most interesting parts about this movie is that thing of like, I have to continue to make it appear as if I'm doing my job, but I'm secretly doing this other thing and I can't get caught. Right. And like, that that's to me was kind of where this movie really got kind of juiced up. Um, although there is, I think there's an exhilaration to the ending where it finally is like, no, I've, I've got the body on my shoulder and I'm just like running and mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm, you know, uh, moving through this. So I would, I would say that the other great moment to me that I was like, there it is, uh, is when he sits you know, they have the body, they bring it to the woods and he starts digging. He's like, say the prayers. And the guy can't say the prayers. And then you realize that the dude's just been lying to him and he's not a rabbi. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, that sequence I love. Cause it's, it's this thing of, you don't realize at the moment that he meets that dude outside the fire pits that like, you're like, Oh yeah, that guy finds him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's everything happens in such a frenzy that he doesn't like Saul doesn't even get enough time to clock that like, like he, the, the, the quote unquote rabbi, the French guy like comes to him cause he hears him looking for a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And what you don't know the entire time is that that guy's just, you know, he, he sees him as a way out until mm-hmm. finally he's like, Oh wait, like it's mm-hmm. almost as if that, like that little performance to me is, is played so well. Cause it's almost as if that guy is like, I didn't expect to make it this far. Yeah. So, like, uh, and it, and it's it's like a we it's like the only beat when he looks at him, and then they both have that pause, and then they go into digging. It's like the mm. only beat of like 
amazingly well executed and intentional comedy mm-hmm. in the whole thing where you're just like, oh, fucking course, this fucking guy's not a rabbi. And it's like, of circumstance. He's not a um, bad guy. Yes. Which I yeah. really appreciate it. No, no, he's not. He's not. He's not um, like conniving or anything like that. I mean, I guess, he but he's still trying is, to help. Like he, he, he could have fucking left his. Yeah, yeah. Ass he's not. He's dirt. not. He's not like he still was, was helping. Right. He could have just his son. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. And so, I mean, he does ultimately run away with the other guys after they run past them. But yeah, I do like how uh, that guy is presented in a way of like, yeah, I don't know if I if I looked like a rabbi and could convince some dude who was going to help me if I was a rabbi to maybe live a little longer, I would say I was a rabbi, you know, like um, so that part of it, I think, is interesting. But I just think that whole reveal is great because it just it's like the only beat of intentional comedy in the whole movie. It comes at su- the most, it's almost like when a, when a fuck is used perfectly in a PG-13 right, right, movie right. kind of thing. Yeah, like, right. It's like, it was like that kind of feeling yeah. to me. So that's yeah, probably yeah. to me, my favorite like scene. His favorite scene ever been harder. Right. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one. The right. stuff yeah. uh, with like, Abraham, I think the guy who plays Abraham is really good. He has a very striking, mm. um, a striking face. And like his, his, mm. his, he has a lot of presence. He doesn't say a lot. He has a lot of presence mm-hmm. though. Like he's just very, when you like, when, Levante Menar. Perfect. Um, he, just anytime he's in a scene, he's just like this. He's very stoic, and he has this. Whole, he's just, I don't know, man. He's he's great. I was I I want I kind of wanted more of him. Um. So I kind of want to pick a scene where he's involved. Um. You know he's gonna be in a in Ant Man. I couldn't. I you said I that couldn't. with such conviction. I, you said it was so, and you know what everybody's in one of those fucking movies now so it's one of those things <laughs> that i'm like works. yeah i don't know fucking maybe I, like, not, not maybe maybe he's gonna get his fucking quantum mania on <laughs> we're gonna um, see a small little abraham him, he's gonna be <laughs> yeah. with bill murray and very he's little gonna, oh god oh yeah. my god oh, oh no um why why Peyton reed needs to work i guess um <laughs> i so my favorite scene um I kind of want to choose something with him, so maybe one of his interactions. But the one that came to came to mind was unfortunately the beginning, because I don't, because I only really realize, and this might be foolish of me, I only realize it's the like it. Those are the gas chambers once they start putting up their clothes on the hook. That's when I'm like, it's that it is an amazingly well executed sequence. My heart just absolute. And also, well, also you hear like what they're saying, like, oh, we have all these jobs and stuff. And I'm like, I was in history class. 
I remember they told me that's what the Nazis did before, and like, before, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh no, You're like, this is the gas chamber. It's the, it's like, it's the John Mulaney mariachi right. band joke. You're like <laughs> one, one guitar player, <laughs> two guitar. Pl- oh, yes, exactly. No. It's, it yeah. was one of, yeah. and you know, yeah. and you know, not to make light of it, but it was just one of those moments where I'm just kind of like, oh. And that's, I think that's the, le- but I guess this is, that's the level of like tasteful entertainment that this movie employs, yeah. right? Like it entertains you because it's able to kind of pull rugs out and, and employ, you know, various techniques that like a thriller would use. Mm-hmm. Like, you it's know, interesting. I, yeah. I never told you the car was right. blue, right? Like, you know, like it's it, like that kind of stuff. Like it, it's able to employ those things uh, and yet still. I mean, still, as we mentioned, be extremely somber. It is somber. I'm s- and that's, I, I think that's yes. hard to do. And I think, you know? and maybe my question. It's because, and also we're just not used to that. Just, but like, and it. Sure. Maybe yeah, my yeah. counterpoint is, is it actually possible to do? Because that, I mean, I, and mm. I don't have. Well, that's the, I, I forget who said it, but the whole thing of you can't make a an anti like anti-war there's no such film, thing as yes. an anti-war I mean, film that's the thing yeah i can't i, I can't think i know i, I know properly well, attribute that, that but i can't remember um, who said it yeah and and that's and again i i pose that question as not that i have an answer i'm that i'm morally justified this is you know yeah, i don't a, know i don't know man it's art mm-hmm. and yet maybe why maybe that maybe that's why all of these this like stuff is fascinating is because there isn't right. really an answer, and these things and these things can be both things. Like, can and a that movie makes like this weird. truly be tasteful in a way? Like, I don't. And these are. I don't know. I don't. Oh. Know, I don't know. It's not. It's not for me to decide. It's just. For I me would to say because I, I don't. I don't know. Not. Not. Not unlike our our friend Pete Maverick Mitchell would say, <laughs> uh, it comes down to the person in the box, mm-hmm. which which is to say, like when this movie came out survivors who were in you know the same situation that Saul is in uh had seen it and praised it yeah so part of me is like I don't know if that person right. says it's okay maybe, I think yeah I think maybe, maybe I don't know right. I don't know it's yeah. one of those things where I'm just like I don't know yeah, sure yeah. like
Leute brauchen wir hier in den Werkstätten. Jeder bekommt Arbeit und guten Lohn. Nach dem Bad bekommt ihr eine heiße Suppe und danach meldet ihr euch bei mir. Im Lazarett brauchen wir Krankenschwestern. Wir brauchen Handwerker aller Art. Tischler, Zimmerer, Maurer, Betonmischer. Automechaniker, Schlosser, Elektriker. Alle melden sich nachher persönlich bei mir. Alle Kleider bleiben hier. Alle Koffer hier lassen. So vorausziehen. Macht etwas schneller. Merkt euch eure Hakennummer. Beeilt euch ein wenig, sonst wird noch die Suppe kalt. Real fast, the other nominees we have this year, A War from Denmark, Thieb from uh, Jordan, uh, Mustang from France, 
must Mustang, uh, Embrace of the Serpent, from Columbia. Uh, this movie is now available on Stars, and uh, that I created, a, which I have. Yeah, which but yeah, yeah. I feel like but most people you? might not necessarily, I, but I, I was gonna say no. Uh, I, I, forget, I think I rented it. I think I. I, I added it. No, I added it to my Amazon I, I, years ago for the B side, and I just think I never canceled it. Same, and, same, and good same. stuff pops on there, so yeah. I'm like, all right, sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, on. yeah, Connor, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, no, it's th- been an absolute I mean, thanks, delight. Thanks we need to have me. you back for something that's a little. Yeah, get, I'm get, really yeah, sorry. Yeah, I feel I horrible. it's really okay. I kind of liked. Yeah. I liked the challenge of it. I extend I, my and, apology. And I would, yeah, and I'm glad to revisit the movie because mm-hmm. I remember really liking it. And obviously, it's one of those movies you see once and maybe feel mm-hmm. like you never need to watch again. And yeah, exactly. It's always interesting to revisit those kind of movies because you do exactly. remember, and especially those kinds again, of movies how, from how the Oscar race because like those yeah. kinds of movies just exist in that like seven month period. But if if you'd like to yeah. plug or promote anything, please. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sh- exactly sure when this is dropping. Uh, but, next week. Uh, Oh, okay, yeah. great. So, yeah. uh, very shortly, we'll be draw. We'll, the B side will be resuming. So mm-hmm. we'll be um, doing an episode on Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer, you mispronounced um, it. And Pfeiffer. And yeah, and then after that, we're going to be doing uh, Cameron Diaz. Um, and then we're also trying to put together something. F- we usually do something around the Oscars. I'm trying to it's brainstorm right now. I can, I can fun. ruin. It's Jason Siegel. He's having on Jason Siegel. <laughs> They're trying to talk about sex tape. I don't know what else to tell you. We're gonna, it's yeah. all going to be. It's going to be all about sex tape. Um, I. Uh, but yeah, that's mm. that's basically it. You can find the B side on Twitter and Facebook at TFS B side. You can find me there at mm-hmm. Scruffy Looking. I also occasionally right for the film stage uh but yeah other than that i'm just sort of lurking on twitter posting dumb shit fantastic uh i'm lurking on twitter at jack a draper writing about movies for the boston hassle um yeah uh next week uh tell me connor if you know who this is roxana hadadi uh, if that name rings oh, a bell yeah. we'll be here for asgar farhadi's the salesman Nice. Um, Good guy. And, yeah, she's, uh, yeah. she's great. We uh, yeah. She came on our Paul Newman episode. Yes, yes. Uh, Everyone go check out the music. It's fantastic. And I, I feel like I've said yeah. that too much. Yeah, yeah she's, she's... No, you, she's can't, you can't say it enough. No. Oh, my turn. Uh, everyone can follow the podcast yeah, Twitter account <laughs> ETC Pod. You can send us an email at exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on any podcast platform you list us on. T- uh, or, no review us on any and on any podcast platform you listen us on to i will learn to speak i promise you can follow me at birds of clay on twitter and on letterboxd follow me at instagram at mr clay williams um be good to yourselves have a great one guys and we'll catch you next time on exiting through the 2010